Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that would not be suitable for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. There will be spoilers for It Invaded, as well as any other anime that may occur, so be very careful if there's something you haven't listened to yet. Last but not least, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual participants in tonight's episode, and does not necessarily reflect those of the Dub Talk podcast. In the world of police anime, there are three kinds of people. The brave detectives who do the problem solving, the hard-boiled field officers who gather information, and the victims who seek retribution for closure. These are their stories. <laughs> and all and welcome to dub talk the podcast where we discuss the latest and greatest in english dubs my name is stephanie and tonight i'm diving into the dream world with my cohorts amon lack and jamal hello <laughs> hi guys if she's lilac if she's lilac then i must be the mm-hmm. brave detective inspector tequila <laughs> Not the reference I was going for, but okay. But we'll go with it. Fuck it, why not? Oh shit! Come on, please tell me you get that. The champ song or something else? Have you never seen Hard Boiled? Oh, his name is Tequila, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been a while. I've never heard of it. So I've never so, seen yeah. it, so... I, I know the name, but I've never seen it. Alright. Anyway. Wait, 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 hold up. You're, you're chastising me for not referencing a hard-boiled reference and you haven't even seen hard-boiled? I have a friend who's big into hard-boiled. He's big into John Woo films. Fair enough. That, that said, you should absolutely see hard-boiled. It's a wonderful movie. <laughs> anyway... We're headed into the deep, dark world of the mind and psyche as we discuss the 2010 film Inception from director Chris Fon... Wait. Hold on. Uh, what? Really? Seriously? We're not talking about Inception? Ah, damn it. We're talking about Tenet. No, we're talking about The Dark Knight Returns. Steph, I, I think I think you'll find we are watching a program in which somebody goes into the mind of a serial killer to solve crimes. This is clearly the 2000 Tarson Sign movie, The Cell, starring Jennifer Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait! No, I thought this was Minority Report. Actually, I think I thought I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How many references can we pull out? There was a fourth movie in that feature thing. What the frick God, was it? it? It's almost like anime tends to take things from American cinema or something like that. Like, <laughs> Zing! Okay. <laughs> anyway, my stupid joke aside, today we're going to be discussing the Winter 2020 anime series from Studio NAZ and director I Aoki. We're diving into the criminal mind and discussing Id Invaded. Um, if you hadn't had the chance to watch this recent series yet, here's a quick summary. In this role, investigators have the power to tap into a killer's unconscious and see fragmented parts of their psyche. This is referred to as an id will, a mental plane that can be digitally entered to collect clues regarding a killer's victims, crime scenes, and motives. 
As one traverses through an idwell, their sights and actions appear as fractured or symbolic projections to the real world in order for investigators to analyze in real time. Akihito Narisago, a brilliant detective, is tasked with diving into the idwells of various serial killers. As he journeys into the killer's minds, he and investigators begin to unravel an even bigger mystery that has been haunting them since the project began. A mysterious fractured man only known as John Walker. What is his connection to these serial killers? How are they affected? And who is this mysterious deceased girl Kaidu trapped in the idwell? Only the brilliant detective is able to solve this mystery, but at what cost? <laughs> That's just as base of a summary as I could come up with for this. Because in actuality, yeah. it's all, it's kind of all over the place. Like, I know we were joking about, like, Minority Report, The Cell, and Inception. But, like, so, first of all, there is this feature that Jamal reminded me existed, where the director, the character designer, and the seiyus for... Um, Narisago and Momoki, another major character in the show, and the director was just like, yeah, like people might f draw parallels to things like Inception or The Cell or Minority Report, and there was a fourth one, I can't remember off the top of my head. And I was just like, shit, okay. <laughs> this makes so much sense, because he's, he was very influenced by freaking Hollywood films. Also, this show took eight years of production. Wowzers. Yep. Yeah. Like it's it's the boy of anime. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Shit. You're wrong. No, but um, it started. It was in pre-production eight years ago, and then when they got the writer, uh, Maijo-san, um, in 2016, that's when the project really came, like full speed. But anyway. This, this does, and, and I'm not, this isn't me trying to be sarcastic. This does feel like an idea that would have been around 2010. Mm. Like, if it had come Honestly. out, I, it does feel like a, a kind of 2010 style anime kind of thing. So kind I could of. see how it, it was kind of an eight, it's an eight-year-old idea, basically. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting how this whole thing was con conceived and came out. Anyway, no, that's, <laughs> we're going to get sidetracked if I we go further into this. Um, right. But, as always, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to go through the cast and crew of the series, all while giving our thoughts and opinions on the performances and the overall dub of the show. So strap yourselves in, boys. It's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> so we're going to kick things off, of course, with our ADR staff. So we have our ADR director, and we have lit three scriptwriters listed. There is one main writer, and there's two additional writers that stepped in for specific episodes. For our ADR director, we have the one and only Mr. Jeremy Inman, who has directed other series such as Copcraft, Saga of Tanya the Evil, and of course, since we're talking about Tanya the Evil, let's also mention the maddening project that is known as Isekai Quartet. <laughs> where, where South meets West. <laughs> you can't say East meets West because that makes no sense so I understand where you're going yeah. with this as for our writers the main writer of the show and when I reposted this list Lack's immediate reaction was this makes so much sense now yeah. our main writer of the show is Aaron Dismuke who has written other for other shows such as Fire Force, Nanbaka and Tokyo Ghoul Re. 
Um, our... my, my exact words were, this feels like something a guy my age would have written. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, I'd say it's a fun time. Anyway, but our anyway. other two writers, we have Jamie Markey, who helped write with episode three, Specifically, uh, she has written other series such as Blood Sea, Orange, and Terror and Resonance, to which, by the way, I rewatched Terror and Resonance recently. You should all fucking watch it if you haven't already. It's amazing still. Anyway, and for episodes 9 and episode 11, we have Clayton Browning, who has written other sh for other series such as, and all three of these should be familiar to the four of us here, Boogie Pop and Others, No Guns Life, and SSSS Gridman. Because I'm pretty sure all of us have been on one of these episodes at some point in time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. I, I was on Boogie Pop, and I love No Guns Life. I was, I was yeah, only on Gridman, so. And obviously, I'm on Did No Guns Life. <laughs> and I and I hosted Boogie Pop, so. Mm -hmm. he, I'm, he, I'm kind of sad I missed out on all three, I'm kind of sad I missed all, out on No All three of y'all were on Boogie Pop, so. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, for, Remember, I forgot I was, I was Icky Thump. <laughs> icky thump. Oh yeah, we had we had the icky thump thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was really proud of that intro. <laughs> that was a that was a fun intro for you. It was great. Anyway, yeah. so thoughts on the direction and the writing of the show? You're very talkative today. I'm gonna start with Lack on this one. How, what are your thoughts on the directing and writing of the show? Oh God. Um, okay. <laughs> You're in the uh, hot seat, boy. Let's go. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. First thing I want to say is this is not an easy animated dub. Mm. Not in the slightest because I get the feeling there's a lot of, like, terminology. And first of all, there's so many names. There's so many names in this show. <laughs> like, and a lot of characters with, like, nicknames and additional yeah, names. And... So many aliases and, like, there's so much going on at once that it's it's impressive that they were able to accomplish that at all. this at all. And, it, you know... Um, that being said, I do think the direction is fantastic in this, and the, and the writing as well. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that really stuck out to me. Well, you've almost got like three different teams here that you're trying to control because you've got like you've got Sakaido and, and all the all the you know brilliant detectives. Right. You've got that kind of thing going on. Then you've got the B team who are like the you know the the people who are outside of the well. Yep. And then you've got the regular detective people. Mm -hmm. So you've got three teams here, basically, and you're as a, as a writer and director, you're juggling all three of these, trying to keep them together, while they're all using this term, this nebulous terminology that doesn't really mean anything outside of the context of the anime. So, like, the fact that they're able to pull this off is incredibly impressive. Um, that being said, knowing that Jeremy Inman did Isekai Quartet, that trying to make sense, that he was able to juggle so many characters at once. Yeah. It's true. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Isekai Quartet is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. For many reasons. Yes. Not not only, like, in Japanese, but in English as well. It's oh, miracle, no, absolutely. Honestly. Hi, Kaylee, if you ever hear this. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like, and Kira, too. He was in the dub. Um, so, yeah, like... I guess the most impressive thing about it is just the fact that they were able to pull this off with so many different characters. Right. Um, and Aaron Dismuke got to write Fox, so he's probably happy about that. <laughs> Someone gets to say fuck in here and twice yeah. at that. 
which is the funniest, the funniest and like most hell yeah moment I think I had. After like, listening to so many Funimation dubs, yeah. it kind of didn't process for me at first that I heard a character say fuck in this. And I th- I'm, I'm watching the No Guns Life dub. Nobody says fuck in that. Like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, fuck. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, shit. And they've said shit quite a few times, too. Yep. But, yeah. I, but other shows have said shit before. Fuck is usually the yeah. one word that is almost never said in a this is, dub. This is, some, this is some urban media throwback, oh, basically. Very much. Urban vision, not urban media. Urban vision. <laughs> That's what I meant. Oh, God. Uh, any other thoughts from you, Locke? Uh, I can't really think of anything else okay. right now. So. Then um, I'll turn it over to Amon. What do you think of the writing and direction? Uh, before I get into that quick sidebar, I decided to pull up that video you mentioned to see what that fourth movie was. Okay, uh, what was it? I completely it was, forgot. It was, in fact, The Addams Family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, not <laughs> not, not, not the Barry Sonfeld movie I would have picked off the top of my head, but I see where they're going with there. It's definitely well, got that, like... Late nineties no, oh, super remember, stylized look to it. Yeah, yeah, I see where they're going. I, re- I remember why though too, because you didn't watch that feature, right, Amon? I, mean, I, I know Lack. I know Lack didn't. Not in full, no. And I, I, Jamal, I know Jamal was rewatching it. I think the reason why the inspiration came up. So remember in the first episode when um, Sakaido is in the perforator's well, mm-hmm. and he's trying to pull the pieces of the house together yeah, to get yeah. to Kaido. Yeah. Remember how his hand is crawling up and like running into oh, Kaido's yeah. body? There we go. They legit talk about it in the future as like they want. Originally, wasn't going to be like that, but then they kind of edited it and made it into a little bit of comedic moment, similar like with the inspiration of Thing from the Adams Family. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that, that makes sense now. Okay. So, um, fun fact. Remember, kids, the media you enjoy may have been influenced by earlier media. It's true. Things don't exist in a vacuum. Uh, It's 100% vacuum. Anyways, I really enjoyed the direction of writing on this dub. Uh, I I agree with what Lex said. This is a... There's a lot going on in this show. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of high concept. There's not not a lot of techno babble, but there's enough. Uh, And there's also just, like, there's lots of characters some of whom have pseudonyms or personas they take on throughout the series. Uh, and there's just sorry, a... Sorry, my, my brain went to Persona 5. I'm sorry. Persona! Damn yeah, it, that Andrew. Is what, that is what Persona means. What? Look. <laughs> this is how my brain works. Side note, I'm drinking coffee at 9pm at night. It's uh, probably either a great idea to keep me awake, or it's a terrible idea. We're gonna find it. Well, as you as you stare at your ceiling and you turn over to your clock and it says 5:55 a.m., you'll know which which, which decision it was. Um, <laughs> Do you have a camera in my house, on Because I have that problem. <laughs> Shit. Um, where what was I saying? There are a lot of moving parts to this dub. Uh, there's just there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters. There's a lot going on. Uh, and this this feels very much in the line of other kind of thinky, sort of generally aimed at adults, if not in terms of, like, content, that at least in terms of, like, how much would an actual 15-year-old want to watch this thing is kind of like Psychopaths. Uh, mm-hmm. And clearly, like, you know, a lot of effort was put into making this very coherent and well put together. Uh, I think everyone's yeah. really well cast. I think they do a good job of making a lot of the characters feel distinct, even when they're just kind of like the 
supporting characters who are there to kind of explain the sci-fi stuff and maybe not so much the character arc stuff. Uh, they did their best, but I still couldn't follow half of it, I, honestly. You, for shows wow. like this, I usually feel like for shows like this, I usually feel like it's best to assume like uh, the techno the techno battle is not something to be understood per se. It is a justification right. for like uh, you know plot and emotion stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't understand what the resonant particle thing is, or whatever. When you, when you, the, when you, um, co- when you, the cognition particles. When you, when you, you, when you feel yeah. the urge to murder somebody, you let off invisible particles that, in this universe, can be measured with a little uh, sort of you know metal detecting device. Yes. Easy. Scientology. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Harsh. Oh man, yes. That was. Damn it, that. <laughs> Audience, if we get sued into oblivion, thank you for listening. Uh, well, you already referenced Minority it's, Report. That's a Tom Cruise. Well, movie. yeah, it's but been an honor. Yeah, but it has been like an honor to serve Report. you, ladies and gents. We are going down with the ship. <laughs> anyway, you can continue. Yeah, like I think a lot. I think a lot of the characters were well cast in that regard. I think the writing was very strong. I think they did a good job of making the techno babble coherent enough uh but not too much and also like uh just keeping you know the actual you know sort of story and thematic stuff really coherent uh and just present um yeah i just i put this way as somebody watches a fair amount of stuff that uh occasionally features swears but not all the time kind of stuff while watching this it didn't even register it's like oh there's swearing in this that's weird (coughs) it's just like oh yeah of course yeah, I, I I agree with that. It, like they 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 used it conservatively enough that it didn't feel like they were just trying to be edgy. It, it just no, so. and it wasn't like shoehorned in. It was used again, like with the f bombs. It was used in a natural context in a natural setting, which worked very well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was just it was like really well done and clearly just you, you, you could tell like there is a lot of just stuff going on that i think they were able to balance really well uh it mm-hmm. made it made that wait for the dubbing of the last episode more manageable mm. uh, yeah because the story with id is it was same day mm-hmm. yeah Samuel dub um up until lockdown and quarantine started and oh. this was right before the last episode came out. Yeah. So it was one episode that, and then the show would have been done. But I think when did it come? When did the final episode come out? Like June? Yeah. Late June, early Something July. Like that, I think? Yeah. yeah. So we just only recently got the final episode for this show. We, That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's like absolutely insane. Because I know, because I know, <laughs> I know, Lack, you were saying like some of the techno babble and stuff was also very confusing to you. This is actually as a for context for everybody else though. This is actually your first time watching the show. Yeah. So compared to like I think, I think the the rest of us majority of it is a rewatch, except for I watched the last episode for the first time today. I know Jamal had said before we recorded. He watched the last last episode for the first time before recording. I don't know about Amon. I know I'm I'm the notorious one in the group who doesn't watch the Japanese version before I watch the dub. No, so. I, I don't really watch Japanese version either. Usually now, yeah, because like, I only usually have time for one version. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. since we dropped predictions, there's not really much reason for me to do the Japanese nine times out of ten. Well, plus I really like the No Guns Life dub in English, so I want to watch it. So in much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, side note, 
random side note. Oh my god, they're launching season two tomorrow. It's true. Yeah. Oh, holy shit, really? They are. They just finished the English dub, didn't they? They, well, they, no. the No Guns Life season one, I think, was last fall. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But okay. season two is summer season, but the fact that they're now starting it is pretty damn awesome, first of all. I was wondering yeah, if that the fact was going to be even able to do it. No, yeah, I I was wondering if that was going to happen, especially if Kyle is returning to direct it, but he also has Fire Force, which we all know he is working on right now. So yeah. it's going to be interesting how that. Which I need to I need to start Fire Force season two. <laughs> I've only watched a couple episodes. It's wild so far. Anyway, are any more thoughts from you, Amon? Uh, is real good. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. A, Jamal, how, what are a, your thoughts? A, a plus would make double feature with uh, some. <laughs> Maybe not that. It's an imbalanced double feature. This is thirteen episodes. That's like a uh, hundred minutes. Okay, uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if anyone's turned any Philip K. Dick things into TV shows that aren't Man in the High Castle, which isn't quite what we're going for here. Anyways, yeah. I don't uh, think so. I think that's the only one. <laughs> anyway, it is good. Continue. All right, Jamal, what about your thoughts? Kind of funny you say a double feature thing, because when I first got into this show, I wasn't really sure what to think of it, because and I don't think none of y'all do remember this, but uh, they the Jap- they had in the Japanese preview of this before the season had came out, the first two episodes, and I thought to myself, oh, yeah. this was this, this yep. some pretty good stuff here. Because the first two episodes, I think, he were did a pre-screening at a convention in November, I think it was. Yeah. And I remember. I can't remember I'm which on, I just, it was specifically. But I I, I just realized there is, there is another uh, Phil K. Deck TV show, but it's not quite what you meant. Uh, it's called Electric Sheep. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah, it's on Verve. Also, I found out. I found out today. I did remember they did make a Minority Report TV show, but that was like five years ago. Oh, they did. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought there was like a Minority. And isn't there, isn't, wasn't there, like, a Total Recall TV show, or am I wrong was about there? that? I know there was a Total Recall remake, but I don't remember there was a TV show. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, so when I got into this dub, I was excited to see Jeremy at the helm, because one thing I realized, I think he's been doing a lot of anime involved in public service, because I remember he did this, he did Copcraft, I know people were, ex- mm-hmm. were hoping that he'd direct Fire Force, but, I mean, he's still big. He's still a major deal in that show, just as a voice, but it's a very powerful voice, let's put it that way. So when I started watching it, I was I was pretty much in awe, though, to be honest, because like, every moment kind of captivated me. And, I was, and it was something I enjoyed, especially like watching it every Sunday before I'd go to work, because mm-hmm. I think this had kind of filled a void for me that after Africa Savvy Man finished so every Sunday I got to see the episodes I enjoyed it to my heart's content to which upon rewatch yeah that moment episode 10 still hurts like hell to this day oh when uh when he has to go bye bye yeah you see all the recaps of his uh, past life that hurt it hurt me the first time and it hurt me the second time like after we finished the episode cause Andrew's at my place right now um Oh, you gonna make him watch episode ten again? <laughs> oh no, he watched episode ten with me. Um, like I watched up through episode six, and then he came over, and then we watched the rest of it today, because um, he hadn't finished yet either. And <laughs> we finished episode ten. He immediately looks at me. He's like, 
are you okay? I'm like, that shit hurt again. And he's like, I'm gonna yeah. go get you a tissue. I'm like, thanks. I, I, my eyes well up a little bit. Yeah, it hurt so much. But anyway. But yeah, so pretty much the dub was very solid. I kind of realized something with maybe two of our lead characters when we get to it. The script was very good. I mean, the techno babble, I really kind of understood, but it was, but like Amar said, they did simplify it, but not too much. But that's because half the time you realize that, and I found this out of the special feature that a lot of the titles are kind of wordplay. Yes. So I decided to look up what some of these words mean, and they're pretty much kind of uh, back, traced back to a Japanese proverb by a frog in a well, which we'll get to later yep. on. But I thought everybody, I thought everybody did a solid job, and okay. The I will say we'll get to the frog part of the well, but can I mention the well part of the wordplay itself, or did you want to like save that for later? I mean, I mean, we can do that because that kind of has. I mean, I know the Japanese are known for their double entendres, but I think I feel that mm -hmm. kind of part has triple meaning, really. It does. So we'll we'll save the frog part for later because it is actually relevant to a character later on. Yeah. Um, but so ido i d o ido um, can have another meaning of well. Exactly. Well. So there's that. But another fun part is if you notice the brilliant detectives. Um. At least our three big ones. I don't know about one of them. I can't remember one of them. But three of them. They have the letters I-D-O in the name. Yeah, they do. So it kind of circles back to it being in relation to the well. So it's it's actually really interesting how they um, constructed that and put that together. They had a lot of fun with the wordplay. Um, any other thoughts, Jamal? I think it's pretty Oh yeah, the fuck part. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We gotta circle back to this. Well we? yeah, cause this was very TVMA. That was that was one thing I really liked too, because I think that's one of the things I kinda miss in certain types of dubs because it's like mm -hmm. you wanna make it natural but you don't want to like overdo things. You, you only put in the F word when necessary really, cause I remember I listened to a couple other shows where I thought they were gonna say fuck, I was like they did, and then there are other times where they say fuck too much, but it's like, is that really necessary? But here, it, it was definitely very appropriate. i really kind of glad that for once in a while, you know, I I enjoy hearing some natural language. Because let's be honest, what adult hasn't cursed in their life? <laughs> like, fair. And again, the F-bomb was, in those two instances, were dropped at very appropriate times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly talking about batshit crazy individuals, um, especially when for, 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 especially when referring to police dramas too, because they say fuck a lot too. That's true, it really is. Uh, anything else? Or are you are you also? I'm good. Okay, um, I'm not gonna add too much more because the three of you basically covered everything. The one thing I do want to focus on quite a bit um, in this to give kudos to directing and writing, mostly I think in the direction, is we all know that psychological stuff is my jam. <laughs> um, 
I really love the direction of because a good portion of the time is spent with essentially these serial killers that we meet throughout the course of the show. And sometimes in other anime or other media, when you bring in like serial killers and shit, they are batshit crazy. Uh, and sometimes hammy and chew the scenery. That's not <coughs> the case here. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> you okay? Bless you. Yeah, I sneeze. <laughs> Andrew says bless you too. Uh, <clears throat> but um, a lot of times when we talk about serial killers and murderers and other media and when we see them portrayed, usually there's more of like a different kind of trope where they're just crazy individuals or they sometimes can get very overly hammy or very I don't know like sometimes if done very poorly they can be like comedic caricatures and that's not the intent so not only I think does the show itself do very well to keep these serial killers a bit more grounded but it also does enough to give you that sense of like these gears turning in their brains and kind of getting in a deeper look into their psyche and the dub and the direction of this also does this very well um and especially i think big big kudos to jeremy's direction of norisigo specifically um because we'll, we'll talk about him later this is the most dark psychological i have seen this actor go and it's just so compelling and can be very unsettling at times. So I really loved the direction that they took with these various serial killers and they were able to keep some of those mystery, mystery, mystery elements and all of this, these interesting concepts. They were able to reveal things as they go and as they should, except for really John Walker, which I figured out after like two episodes, but We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but I think a lot of the psychological elements were very much intact, and I really, really enjoyed that. And I just, it was just like me, like, ooh, what are they thinking? What is their thought process through this whole ordeal? And it just was so compelling to watch the direction on this as well as the performances on these various serial killers. Um, I think that's the major note I really wanted to hit on because the three of you hit everything else on, like, nail on the head. Like, I would have been just repeating everything else. Um, but with that said, yes, I really like the directing and writing on this show. It is A plus, I think, on this. Um, I think we're ready to move on to our first set of characters. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Sweet. So... Our first set of characters, this is going to be a bit of a hefty one because we're going to be talking about um, the Kura agents, um, the Kura investigators. So Kura is the name of the organization that operates the, um, not the id, well, what the hell is the actual term? Misuhaname. Thank you, the Misuhaname. Um, and help and, and send these individuals into Idwells to figure out the serial killers and find them and arrest them and all this fun stuff. So 
We're going to talk about five of them. Um, one of them is going to be talked about later because he actually plays a much larger role in the show itself. So, we have Assistant Director Togo. We have Kazuo Wakashika. We have Hadabute. Uh, we have Shiratake. And we have Kokufu. Those are our five we're going to talk about. For Assistant Director Togo, we have Miss Kimberly Grace, who has voice characters such as Kion in Demon Lord Retry, Hachi in My Roommate is a Cat, and, well, really those are the two named characters she's done. She's done other very smaller roles uh, for series such as Cautious Hero and The Ones Within. Uh, as for Wakashika, <laughs> to which Wakashika can be summed up <laughs> as a character who thinks he's a brilliant detective, <laughs> but he's not a killer. I guess what could... That's really what his role is. I guess what could say he's a danky guy, huh? You would be correct. Because <laughs> uh, um, Wakas Wakashika is voiced by Kyle Phillips, who has voiced characters such as Gluttony in Servamp, Soigen Riku in The Silver Guardian, <laughs> flashbacks, and um, Shinichi Katari in Sure Dure Children. Uh, Habu Habute, names sometimes, uh, is voiced by Steven Fu, who has voiced characters such as Masami Satome in Boogie Pop and others, Oda Nobukatsu in K Kokuchi, and Auntie in SSS Gridman. Shiratake is voiced by, and if I mess this up, I apologize, even though I did ask this person how to pronounce his name, uh, Joe Kuchinodi. Kuchinati. Yeah, Kuchinati. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And he, he, his voice, the only other two major named characters that he's had, actually, are Satoru Kanoichi in Midnight Occult Silver Servants and Yugo Okami in My Roommate is a Cat. Um, he hasn't done a ton of anime. However, and fun fact, because, again, I reached out to him just to make sure I pronounced his last name correctly, he mentioned to me that he's also known as Joe Kelly, and he's actually worked in Dallas Radio for over 20 years. Ah, that would explain yeah. it. So, <laughs> he's not that familiar for us, but probably in the Dallas area, he's much more familiar that way. Uh, as for Kokufu, we have Travis Milanel, who has voice characters such as Haruki Yamauchi in Classroom of the Elite, and Anya Kudo in The Ones Within, and again, similar to uh, Joe and Kimberly, not as many named characters, but Travis has also done smaller roles or background characters for series such as Funimation's dub of the disastrous life for Psyche K, I'm making the distinction known, as well as Puzzle and Dragons. So, <laughs> why don't we kick this off with Jamal? What are your thoughts on the five current agents we have here? Uh, well, let's start with the two less known, uh, Joe Kuchinadi and Travis Mordix. It's I'm glad you said that Joe has been in radio, Dallas Radio for over 20 years, because that will explain why his voice sounded so distinct, mm -hmm. even though I had trouble taking yep. some of the characters apart. Yep. Because for context, Shirataki is the one with the ponytail. Ponytail and glasses. Yeah. And he sounded to me like, I guess somebody I remember from the old Digimon, I can't remember who off the top of my head, but he, he it sounds, you can definitely hear the radio voice in him and it kind of works to an extent i'm not too familiar with joe uh mm -hmm. travis is kokufu it's been a hot minute since i've talked about travis because i actually because oh, yeah. i was actually on the psyche k episode and technically his character is a background character it's a named character but it's a background character so yeah. <laughs> but 
And I did see the words with it, so I do have some kind of leeway there, but uh, it, it, it was pretty good. It, it did what it needed. To, his, his character did what he needed to do. The voice mm -hmm. worked for the most part. He just didn't have a lot of screen time. So... Right. Uh, Steven Fu's Habutai, uh, the thing about Steven Fu's voice is this, it, to me, it kind of sounds like an amal amalgamation of both David Mills and Alejandro Saab, but with his own distinct flair, and okay. I didn't, I didn't know what to, really to make of it at first until I was watching the, the City Hunter movie the other day, and I thought mm -hmm. it worked very well for, like, his serious moments and his comic moments. Uh, Kyle Phillips is Waka Sheik. <laughs> A.K.A. Stupid little shit sometimes, but we love him anyway. A.K.A. Not Denki Kaminari, so. The way that character. A, a, a slightly smarter Denki Kaminari, but the still has the snark and sass to go with it. And, a thousand times zero is still and, zero. And, le God. and less hair, too. Yes. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, you can look at that character and tell me it's, try and tell me it's not, he does not look like Ducky Kaminari. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Excuse me, I look like Denki, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> but your hair's not spiky, Lack. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Lack now has to cosplay Denki Kaminari at some point. I want to at some point, I will. <laughs> we need to make this happen, boys and girls. But yeah, he's kind of spastic when he's just showing off his... He's kind of spastic when he's showing off his knowledge and how what, how others react around him. Right. And you know, it's just Kyle being kind. For the, and it works very good. Like Even though you can see that even sometimes these quote-unquote smartest people kind of have some... Uh, not too bright moments at times. Like when he's almost being crushed by a boulder until Togo comes and saves him. By shutting him and up. And it's like, shut the fuck up, Wakashika. Don't fucking talk. They react to sound, you dumbass. Even though he didn't know that until Togo told him, so it's not like he could have figured yeah. it out. Or could he have? I need that on a t-shirt. Shut the fuck up, Wakashika. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Make that a shirt, give it to Kimberly Grace, and have her wear the next time she sees Kyle Phillips. I mean, we did give Kyle who the fuck is Kyle t-shirt, so... That is true, we did, and he loved the hell out of it. He... Oh my god. This never surfaced because I'm dumb and I lost all the files. So, um, the Dungeon Booth game that we saw at A-Fest. So, after the shirt was given to Kyle, right... At the at the live game panel that they did, he wore the fucking shirt <laughs> for the game, and it was the greatest nice. moment of our lives. We're like, "Fuck yeah, Kyle!" Yeah, it was fun. And, and speaking of some great moments, it's funny because I didn't really pay attention to Togo as much on my first watch until she mm -hmm. be essentially became a prominent character later on. Yeah, and I thought. I thought Kimberly Grace did very well. It's just, although it did sound like a, another voice actor to me at times, I guess in terms of how she speaks, Togo's kind of a very interesting character, and she manages to play it so subtly. And I, I'm also convinced that somebody in Japan, I know I know the director mentioned he's a big fan of Hollywood films. I wonder if he's also right. ever seen CSI Miami, because there's an actor by the name of Togo who plays a cop. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. this can't be a coincidence. 
Well, you didn't. I think you said you didn't finish rewatching that feature, right? I had ten minutes left. Okay. Did you get to the part where they mentioned that a lot of the characters' names actually come from Japanese alcohol? So I don't know where Togo would come from, but um, I, I really because I thought shirataki was a mushroom. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, no, that's shiitake. <laughs> oh. You sure? Yeah, sh that's shiitake, yeah. Oh, no. Shiitake. Um, no, a lot of the kids... Did you just say... Thanks! <laughs> Fuck. Oh. Speaking of shiitakes, I'll be right back. No. <laughs> that's that's from Impractical Jokers. That's an Impractical Jokers reference. Oh, God. I, I know that I know impractical jokers. I know impractical jokers actually. Oh, Shirataki's a type of noodle. I watch it sometimes. It's a, I watch impractical jokers sometimes. It's a fun show. I haven't anyway. watched that in years. It really is. I love yeah. it. Any other thoughts, Jamal? Uh, I, I'm pretty much there. all my thoughts are to go now. So. <laughs> <laughs> to go, Togo. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hey. hey. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'll step in next. Um, I will take, I will, I'll, I'll do Travis, Joe, and Steven first. Um, the three of them, they have, they have probably about the same amount of screen time as Kyle and Kimberly do. However, they aren't as talkative or active compared to the two of them. But, but um, could you tell them apart, though? Yes, absolutely. Um... Especially on my second watch. The first watch, I might have almost gotten Travis and Steven mixed up. But, um, which is odd to say. Because I've also heard Travis in Psyche K as well. And I'm like, this is different. But, um, no. I think the biggest thing with the five of them is they do have different distinct voices that work with the different personalities of the group. Um... Like, Travis is the quiet, it is quiet. Um, Kokofu is fairly quiet, but at the same time, he's very attentive. He's very detail-oriented. Um, and he's very responsive to any situations or orders that come up. To the point where, can I just say, good on Kokofu for becoming the chief of, of the whole fucking place at the end of the show. Yeah, how'd that work? I did not expect him. Like, when we saw Momoki still with Kura, I expected Togo. I did not expect Kokofu. I was like, shit, all right. You go. <laughs> um, and then Joe, when first watching this, like, like you were saying, Jamal, like, when I first watched this, too, the voice was so different. It was distinct, and it worked very well with the dynamic within the group, but... Because it was a name I didn't recognize, I was like, this is a new actor. I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. But then after finding out that he worked, he's worked in radio for 20 years, it's like, this makes so much sense. That is a radio voice we're hearing right now. And I mean, for Shiratake, I think it actually kind of works. Because Shiratake is not necessarily a nerd, but he seems kind of like a very dependable, a little bit straight-laced to a point. Um, and the voice, I think, to me, fits the physicality of the character. As I think that's the best way to describe it. So, I really liked Joe, and I think it worked very, very well for him, and I hope that he gets to pop in and more things sometimes. I would love to see him grow more as a voice actor. 
Steven is Habutai. Um, he's a fun little character, too. Also distinct, and he's just kind of present and there and helping everything out. <laughs> Him and Joe have fun interactions when they bounce off of Kyle. <laughs> One hundred percent. That that is very true. When when they're all bouncing off of Wakashika, is mm-hmm. really when all the characters really shine. No, absolutely. Honestly, yeah. It, it's a fun. That I think that's the big strength of the whole of this whole section entirely is the fact that they are very dynamic in vocal range, <coughs> but they also work off of <coughs> so well that all of their conversations and the investigations and all the actions they take just seem perfectly natural to the viewer. And I really like that a lot. But speaking of Kyle Phillips' Wakashika, <laughs> again, he's basically a brilliant detective minus the serial killer part and has so much sass and snark to boot. It's kind of amazing. And I love that Kyle gets to just have fun with this character because Wakashika sometimes thinks he's hot shit. Yep. <laughs> when he's really not. And sometimes having those moments where he ha- he's drawing a blank and something's not adding up and then all of a sudden you have like Habutai or Shiratake stepping in like, I-, I got this, I'm already ahead of you. He's like, wait, what? He's like, it's like we're doing your job for you. What's wrong with you? It's the funniest shit. Like they show up Wakashika and it's so amazing. It's so hilarious. But yeah, like Kyle gets to envelop essentially this investigator who thinks he's hot shit half the time and he is wakashika is very smart he is a very smart individual and his role usually in these dives into killer's wells is just making um like making these observations and just investigating in a sense kind of trying to translate what's going on in the well from the the bring detective's point of view and bringing it to all the other investigators. That's basically Wakashika's role in this. And I think Kyle's just so much fun. Um, I think he he's one of my standouts among this group here. Um, but Kimberly Grace is also a lot of fun too. Because I don't remember hearing Kimberly Grace before. Um, Hachi is... Hachi is the other cat, right? The other little cat for um, Jade, right? Is that who Hachi uh, was? Yes, I so. think so. I'm, I'm looking at BTVA right I, now. I, and... I, I've, I've never seen my roommate as a cat, but I did remember you speaking about her as Hachi. According, so, according yeah. to BTVA, yeah. this yeah. is her third thing she's ever done, so. Yeah, a lot of, she's still relatively new, and again, a lot of her the stuff she's done is like background characters and maybe some Walla, but... Um, this is like probably the Her third. BTVA is a little. It almost comes off as a little condescending in the in the bio. <laughs> like what? Kimberly Grace is a voice actress known for voicing Togo and Hachi. Take a visual walk through her career and see three images of the characters she's voiced. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, <laughs> rude. Wow. Rude. No, the voice. I am not saying that on you. No, thank you. That's rude, BTA. What At the shit? At least make it sound a little less passive aggressive. Wow. Oh god. No, but anyway, I again because Kimberly is so new, and this is I'm going from a cat, <laughs> from my roommate as a cat, to Toko, who 
has to be the strong presence within this group. And she's second in command of these invest of this department, these investigators under Momoki. Um, and like I think she takes command rather well. Yep. I didn't think so on the first watch, but then when I watched it again, it's like, no. Like, she can step into her own. She knows what to ask, when to ask it. She knows when to back off before something else causes, before she causes an issue. Because, um, like, when Momoki was, was arrested and accused of being John Walker, for instance, she was like, okay, I know I can't do this the only way. Like, in her, her like, gears are turning. It's like, the only way I can help him is actually, like, getting this resolved. That's the only way I can help him and get him out of it. So she takes command very quickly, which again is why I'm surprised she didn't end up becoming chief at the end. Yeah. I'm like, you would think that she would have taken over, but that's not the case. It's very weird how that happened, but like, oh, well, why not? But um, no, I do like Kimberly Grace as Togo. Um, and I, I would love to see more things from her and see her grow and develop as an actress um so because if for this being her third like named role it's pretty darn cool i know that for a fact so i guess you could say togo was worthy of her grace then i fucking quit i fucking Stephanie's quit. like i'm on you're in charge you take over <laughs> the subtitles don't even say that anymore <laughs> no, that's uh because he's sitting over there in the corner. That's almost as bad as an Andrew joke, Jamal. That's how much my brain hurts right now. Yes, but unlike an Andrew that joke, I know how to be subtle, so <laughs> depends on the joke. But I'll say this, that Grace joke was not subtle at all, you idiot. Back <laughs> Anyway, Ahmad, how about your thoughts on these five characters? Oh, this is a good solid set. Um, I thought uh, Stephen, Joe, and Travis all did a solid job. Uh, I like their characters. I will admit the three of them didn't quite blend in the background, but they didn't stand out as much to me as Togo's Wakashika. Uh, possibly because Togo gets to be slightly more important later on, and Wakashika gets to be the butt of jokes. Um, I like their performances a lot. Uh, Kai was very funny as Wakashika. I agree. I thought he did a very good job of nailing that. Like, he is smart, but he's still kind of a dumbass. There's reason. He's a little bit too big for his britches there's, sometimes. There's, it's, you can just tell from looking at him. Like, no one who wears that headband knows 100% what they're doing. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, kudos to Kimberly for, it feels like, uh, you know, getting some just good, good roles this early in her career. I thought she did a really good job as Togo. Especially towards the end, when like you know she has to kind of take charge and you know, gets to be a little more a little more prominent than just kind of part of the bridge crew who explain all the the sci-fi stuff that's going on. Um, yeah, I like these were some good these are good solid performances like good 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 background characters to help prop up what's going. Photon on. torpedoes, Captain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thankfully, thankfully we were we were we were saved from anybody's uh, questionable Soviet accent, but yes. <laughs> Yeah. That'd be oh, weird, a bunch God. of Japanese people talking like <laughs> Soviets. Oh, shit, that'd be weird. Yeah. Lord. Lack, what are your thoughts on uh, this I don't have much to add, honestly. Um, I think that the strongest thing I can say about this particular set of characters is that they played off of each other extremely mm -hmm. well. 
Um, yep. Everything you guys said, I I, um, I, I share the sentiment. Um, I feel like knowing that Kimberly Grace is kind of new, I would say that some of her delivery felt a little off to me in just a couple places, but I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. This is her third role, according to most things, so I'm not I'm not going to... It's it's all about getting to know your stuff, and I think for her third role, I think she sounded fine. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, everybody sounded pretty good. I, I think all around, this was a good set of characters. And going back to uh, talking about Silver Guardian for a second, Steph, uh, Twins... Twin stars. <laughs> about to say you you watch Silver Guardian with Twin me. Twin stars still best girl. So <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> um, quick question for you, Locke, because because you just said that you felt that there were some moments in Kimberly's performance where it seemed a little bit not necessarily wonky, um, but there was like. A, a little bit like maybe you can tell that she was kind of new was it like throughout or maybe it was like maybe in the beginning and she kind of yeah I would say it was, was it was more in the beginning out? it just Togo I'll say is a, it seems like a hard character to get the hang of because you've got she mm -hmm. she really only has one personality through the whole thing and that's fine I'm not I'm not, I'm not yeah, holding it really against does. her so it's kind of hard to play those kind of cold calculating characters especially when you're first just starting right. out I, I get that, yeah. so that's why I'm not ragging on her too much. It's just some of the lines I was kind of like, mm -hmm. eh, maybe, I don't know. So, you know. But you think maybe as the, the show went on and when she took charge, maybe that was when it kind of yeah. clicked and it worked Yeah, I, th okay. I think by the end it, okay. it was better. So. Okay, wonderful. All right, so moving on, we have more characters. So... I would think this sec this next section is plot relevancy. <laughs> um, we have two characters. We're gonna talk about Chief Hayasura, uh, who is in charge of Korra and the investigators and stuff like that. And we have Chiki Chiki. Wow, Chiki Asukai. I can't fucking talk right now. Kiki, are you riding? Chiki <laughs> Asukai. service. No, oh, please, no, no, I'm trying to get rid of this stupid beam in my head from that. <laughs> Damn it, Zeno! <laughs> I'll show you later. Any okay, yes, now I'm curious about Z what Zeno did. Um, anyway, so these two are together for very, very important reasons, and again, plot. So, Ki Kiki Asakai, um... <coughs> She is this girl who was the final victim of the Challenger, one of the serial killers that we hear about and meet briefly throughout the entire show. And he's also, he's basically the reason why Narisigo is now a serial killer, because he killed Narisigo's daughter and inadvertently later on, has, uh, inadvertently <coughs> causes his, his wife to commit suicide um, after their daughter's death. So, uh, she was discovered after Narisigo killed the Challenger, uh, and she was hospitalized, but then she disappears, and nobody has seen her since. Um, what we find out, though, is, one, she's, a, she's also Kairu. We don't know that Ka Kiki, Asakai, and Kairu are the same person until the last third of the show. So, Kiki is Kairu. She is the girl who all of these brilliant detectives, when they dive into Ed Wells, 
she's the girl that the dead girl that they see every time and because of that they remember that they are brilliant detectives and they have to solve the mystery of her death um but the other important part of it is that Kiki Asakai has been under everybody's noses the entire time, and she is basically, in fact, the Mizu Hamane. Haname. Blah. Words. Because <laughs> uh, Kiki has this condition and, and, like, this weird telepathy and stuff. It's complicated. Um, complicated and strange and all this fun stuff. Chief Hyasura. For lack of... Basically, TLDR, Chief Hyasura is John Walker. He is the main antagonist of the show. He is the one who kidnapped Kiki, basically put created the Mizuhaname with her inside of it. Her not really having a choice in the matter. Um, and he's the one who's been developing and creating these serial killers all along. So, it's very interesting and complex how this goes through. However, the show doesn't hide this the fact he's John Walker very, very well, at least to me. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. As for these two performances, for Chief Hyasura, we have Charles Campbell, who you would have heard in other series with performance, performance such as Su Wong Kendall in World End, Hakuro in um, That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, and Gran Torino from My Hero Academia. And as for Kiki Asukai, we have Sarah Wiedenheft who has voiced characters such as Sana and Alice in Zoroku, Shiharu in Grimgar, Ashes and Illusions, and Lily in Zombieland Saga. So, Aman, how about we start with you? What are your thoughts on these performances? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, Charles Campbell excels at playing old guys. So, in a shocking twist, he's really good, he's at, pl guy. He's really good at playing this old guy. Um, I liked him a lot as Hayasura. Uh, I also, when I was watching it in the first episode, I also thought of, like, you're an old dude. Are you going to be John Walker? And I thought, you know what? I'll find out eventually. I'll just sort of put a pin in that and pay attention to what else is going on in the show. And guess what? What's this Scooby-Doo? What's the old You're guy? You're an old guy. Are you going to be the villain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's about it's about how the elderly are dragging down yeah. society. Not the elderly. Old people in And power. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't yes. for you meddling brilliant detectives. Exactly. <laughs> Accurate. Um... But yeah, uh, uh, I really like his performance in this. I think he does. He just does a good job of. He's good at playing old dudes, and he does a good job of sounding, you know, very regal and distinctive. He sounds like a guy in charge. Yeah. Uh, and I think you could, you know, this is you know, if you've seen a mystery show, I think you you you're you're you tend to often think about ah what's what's the twist going to be kind of a thing. But I do think in his performance, I do think he doesn't try and oversell the idea that there's something suspicious about Hyasur. I think you can watch a lot yeah. of this and not necessarily think he's up to anything, which I do appreciate. Um, he's more contextually suspicious than kind of like overplaying, you know, the, the show overplaying its hand suspicious. Um, no, yeah, like, the only reason why I was like, you're, you're John Walker, aren't you? Is I saw <coughs> the physical build and what the character looked like, mm -hmm. John Walker. Yeah. And then I saw Hyasura in the second episode, I'm like, you're fucking John Walker, aren't you? <laughs> like, I put two and two together. I'm like, physically, these two look identical. Mm -hmm. So that's how I put it together. But you're right. Like, contextually speaking, like, they let Hyacera fly under the radar, which is actually really good. Mm -hmm. No, I think they, I do think they do a good job with that buildup. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that gets, like, overplayed too often, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think Charlie does a really good job in that in that capacity. Like he just he plays the character well. I think when the turn does come, he is able to match that. And when he's talking about you know why he's doing all this anyways, um, it's good stuff. And uh, Sarah, poor Sarah. Oh, oh Sarah. Poor, poor Kiki. This poor girl. <laughs> what did she do to deserve any of this? Oh, Let's protect. Must protect Kiki Asakai. This is where the Minority poor, Report this... stuff starts to come in, by the way, guys. Yep. So, so uh, I, I don't think you covered this. So it's established, essentially, no, that um, Kiki Asaka has this weird thing where she has some unexplained mental link to serial killers. And as a consequence, when they're both dreaming, uh, serial killers will basically end up in her mind and kill her. Uh, and this is just a constant thing that happens to her all the goddamn time. Yeah, and then Hayasura kind of exploits this and yes. gets serial killers. They like to start developing and like, hey, kill this girl because you can mm -hmm. get away with it in your dreams. And mm -hmm. then eventually, the idea is that eventually is that like they can't get enough of it in dreams that they have to translate it into reality. Mm -hmm. That's that's the whole point and the idea of the creation of these serial killers that mm -hmm. John Walker does. So and uh, so. Understandably, Kiki is a little exhausted with existing and existence. Yep. And I think Sarah just does a good job of just playing that and not being too over the top she, about it. She goes all Kess on no, Voyager. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not like histrionic or anything. It's just very, it feels very believably just kind of like, this is my life. Yep. And it's bad, but I can't do anything about it. So I've just I've resigned myself to what's happening because I have no control. Uh, it's a little heartbreaking. But Sarah, I think, does a really good job with it. Like I, I you know, obviously when she's with Car, you know, Kairu doesn't. Does Kairu ever speak? Is she always just just a dead body in a dreamscape? She's always just a dead body. Yeah. Well, so what, there, there there's was, no performance think, there. There was one uh -huh. episode she did speak, and then it yes. kind of shifted yeah. from her to uh, uh, Muku who. I'm the talk yes, about with... that's exactly mm. it. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly right. it. It was it was pretty early on. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, but most most her performance is in Kiki, and I think she does a really good job with that. I think she mm -hmm. just sells this character, who I or I think always manages to feel very sad without getting too like sort of misery porny. I guess like it feels like they could have really yeah. overplayed her character situation. I think they did a good job of kind of emphasizing what it is without making it seem too much yeah uh, and absolutely. i thought and I, and I thought sarah also played that really well in that regard okay all right luck what are your thoughts on the um yeah uh well i liked um i i liked charlie campbell as uh hyasura quite a bit um i kind of like the fact that he kind of played him really really softly which I think was pretty interesting. We we don't, and the fact that it didn't really change all that much when, once he was fully revealed. Um, just that he was kind of like he's always kind of in that mode, where he he just is yep. consistently just kind of apathetic, in a sort of way. Um, not really much to add. Uh, I, I had seen the first episode a while back, so I didn't really pick up on the whole he was. John Walker thing, so yeah, I yeah I, I didn't know anything really about that, and the fact that Hayasura wasn't really in the series that much, 
also kind of made me not even think about that until it was revealed. Um. No, yeah. I think Jamal had mentioned earlier, maybe like off recording, that he didn't realize Hyacinth and John Walker were the same person until the second yeah. rewatch, actually. When he finally put the like the little hints together. Right. <laughs> I think that's what Jamal had said. But, um, That's really all I have to say about Hayasura. Um, I think it was a fun final episode where it just goes full like shonen anime. So, yep. I, I thought it was really fun. And um, regarding Kaidru and uh, Kiki Asuka, I I really think Sarah Weeden have did a great job. Um, I especially love the scene where we finally really get to meet Kiki uh, in the in the hospital with. Um, with uh, uh, Sakaido. Yeah. Norisiga? Yeah, yeah, it's, Narisiga, I, yeah. it's easier to call him Sakaido. Um, but, um, yeah, I really, really liked that scene. And it, it was it was a great chance for her to actually be able to do something with the character. Because, yeah, like was mentioned before, she barely speaks in the show. So it was kind of really neat to see her kind of just come in and really create that emotional depth for a character who has been quite literally a prop for most of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the fact that she got to have that emotional crux for the character was really great. And it was, and Sarah did, just did a really good job with that. So yeah, that's pretty much my simple thoughts. Oh. Okay. Um, I'll step in next. I know Jamal wanted to talk about something, so I'll save him for last because of it. Uh, <laughs> so, Charlie Campbell is high as Sarah. I 100% agree with everything the two of you have said so far. Um, because character designs are a thing, and I figured this out right away. I'm like, you're fucking John Walker. I mean, that's one thing. But context-wise, and the highest service presence throughout the course of the show is very subtle and minimal. It's like this overarching presence. He doesn't really in, impede on a lot of things on a consistent basis, and he kind of just lets things go as they are. So, because of that, if you didn't put two into the other character-wise between John Walker and Hayasura within the first two episodes, that reveal, again, it does work. It works very, very well, and I enjoyed that. Um... <laughs> he oversees everything in this whole group and the world around him. <laughs> because in the last episode, Hondo Machi calls him out for basically having a fucking god complex. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly she what She calls him out for being a basic like, bitch. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, why do you like the number seven? It's the most divine. It's like, yeah, <laughs> boring. Boring, 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 boring. Fuck you. (laughs) And then dead. Anyway, um... But... Um... No, Charlie Campbell, the performance is very subtle. It's it's a slow build-up, which is exactly what you need for this show. Especially if you don't get the connection with the character design between Hayasura and John Walker. That slow build-up, and the fact that he's not a huge integral part in the show, I think lends itself very well. And Charlie is just very, like, in control, in this position of authority, and he never loses it. He never loses it, and he keeps that power consistently, 
which I think also helps with that build up in the character and the reveal too, which I is fantastic. Um, can I say, can we start a movement called the Save Kiki Asakai Club, please? Yeah. <laughs> this poor Hashtag girl. justice for Kiki. <laughs> yes! Hashtag justice for Kiki. She uh, wants to sleep. That's all she wants is the She place. wants to sleep in her pool. Let her sleep, Christ. She wants to fucking sleep. Let the girl sleep. Fuck. When the, psych uh, when the psychic <laughs> traumatized girl wants to sleep, you let her sleep. Don't bring in serial killers, you fuckers. God. Anyway, no. Like, again, we don't really get to hear Sarah until we get to that last third when um, Sakaido is in the well within a well. Boom, we need to go deeper. Uh, <laughs> inception, 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 yada, yada. Um, and when we do, Kiki is very broken. She's very somber. She's just tired. Emotionally, physically, mentally, psychologically, she's just exhausted. And she's ready to give up. She just wants all of this done. She wants it all over with so she doesn't have to deal with this ever again. So that in and of itself is a complex character to pull off. To pull off and not also make it flat as a stiff and flat as a board so i think sarah does a fantastic job in still giving that emotion and that life to kiki but still retaining that level of exhaustion that she has to go through especially with all the trauma and the shit she's gone through um got the whole course of the show but i will say i think one of my little 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 nugget little favorite nugget of um Sarah's performance is actually in the last episode where she's talking to Momoki and she has to end up going back into the Mizuhaname for the time being and Momoki lets her know just wait for us we'll figure out a way and we will help you we will save you and she's given this glimmer of hope and she actually has a genuine happy smile and I uh, that little nugget of this little nugget, this little ray of sunshine in Sarah's portrayal of of Kiki is like, I'll, I'll wait as long as it takes, and I'll ho and I will hold on to that hope that you will f help me someday. Um, I think that was just so precious, and I loved every second of it. Um, but no, both of these performances are so much fun, and I enjoyed them. Jamal, and you saved me for last. Well, you wanted to talk about the Kaidu thing. Yeah, there is that too. Uh, but first, uh, I guess let me start with uh, Director Burgess. I mean, Chief Highest Server. I was taking a sip of my coffee, you asshole. Uh, at least it wasn't orange juice. Oh, thank God. References galore. But no, seriously, uh, Chief Highest Server, his involvement in the entire series it actually does remind me of Director Burgess from Minority Report. Like, right down to the very core. As a matter of fact, uh, his revelation, which was, I think, episode 10 or 11? The day... Yeah. The day yeah, that, I think it was 10, yeah. The I think the day or the week after that episode came out, uh, mm -hmm. 
at Max von Sydow, the actor who played Burgess in Minority Report, kind of passed away. And I thought this was this was kind of chilling to me because it was like there were too many chords this and that to make parallels to this character because that timing, holy shit! Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's why, even though I made that little joke, it actually is kind of true. He is more or less director Burgess because he didn't have he didn't have you don't see him as much in the show either, and you you'll discover his revelation to later like. Is was more and everything, and he did kind of push the main character to his limit as well. I mean, he made a Whitwell out of Momiki, who we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But I thought Charles Campbell did a pretty good job. I mean, there was nothing to stand out about him. You know, it was just, he was just unassuming. And the reason I said what I said about uh, not realizing he was John Walker was because the first we watched. I didn't think nothing of it until I made the Minority Report references later on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's on the second rewatch. You can actually see now. If you look close at his face, you can see the mustache. It's, it's then you. It's on the second rewatch. You realize, yep, that's he's definitely John Walker. Like it did. It did. Yeah. Become as obvious to me as first because you know he, the character's unassuming, but he doesn't really do anything to later. Also, I just realized I made, I made, I know I made an Eva reference unintentionally, and I just remember there's an end of Eva reference in episode 12, I think, 12 or 13. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, yeah! Are you talking about that big fucking baby in the bathtub? Yes. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yes. That's the last episode. I'm so why? Who's the serial killer that came up with that one? It was one? a Phineas and Ferb reference, oh. obviously. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say Guy Divide, but I'm just going to censor that, so. <laughs> Shit, alright. Anyway, moving on. Charles Campbell did a pretty good job. Just, again, the character was kind of unassuming, and I didn't really think too much of it. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have this Kiki Azukai. Again, I make my Minority Report references, but she pretty much reminded me of Agatha, who... If you know the whole thing with Precog, she's one of the psychics, and this is, again, this is more or less almost down to the same core. Yeah, she just, like Andrew just said, she wants to just sleep in her pool. Again, same thing as well. It's like... <laughs> and again, she was also pushed to a limit by the director. I mean, the chief. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there were too many parallels to make in this instance that, you know, I couldn't help but feel bad for Kiki. Yeah, I heard the whole thing with Kairu because Kairu, well, when I showed Steph this feature, I watched it myself. Kairu meets mm-hmm. Frog, and what, apparently there's a lot of wordplay involved with the show, and one of the proverbs they use is that a frog in the world knows nothing of the great ocean. Which makes sense, because, you know, Kiki's trapped in this little pool because she has this uh, huge telep- huge telepathic pouch that just keeps growing and growing and growing, and she's unable to do anything about it. She said that even people from faraway places return their dreams. It was kind of like, and I saw part of the bigger episode today, so I know you're going to get this reference slack. You've seen Justice League Unlimited, right? Sure. Do you remember the part with uh, Batman and Ace after she reformed the Bloodhound Gang in the old Right, image? right, right. When, when her powers started to become, she could warp reality. 
Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like that. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Yeah, it was basically again so many references. <laughs> it's like it was so uncanny, but in the end, you know, like Momiki, I guess took pity on her. Like she, she, he really wanted to help the poor girl. It's just let her sleep. Let her sleep. Protect Kiki Asakai. Going back to the proverb real quick, since you said the whole proverb, it made me think of something that they did visually. So, in the last episode, when Momoki is escorting her back to the Mizuhaname, and she's going back into the well, I like that you brought up the whole proverb, because remember that little tiny moment before she goes back in, where she sees Sakaido? Right? Yeah. And... Instead of it being in a well, it looks like a vast ocean. Yep. So, Kiki in the well doesn't know anything of the vast ocean. Mm-hmm. Which is actually very interesting how it all comes together. It just started clicking in my brain when you said the full proverb, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then it worked visually, so I'm like, hey, this is actually really interesting. Um, did you have any more thoughts? Uh, pretty much for Kiki is to the Mitsuhadabe, what Agatha is to the Precog, just like the main source of it all, really. And she just really wants that peace. That's all she wants. Let the girl sleep. Speaking of which, how's that coffee? Um, I'm not done. I've been sipping on it here and there because I didn't want to drink it all at once and not, like, let it and not let it pass through and then I'm tired by the end of this. So well, it's so far so good. Uh, <laughs> give me a bit because once I get my energy out of there by the time we're done, I'm going to want to sleep. Um, anybody else have any other thoughts before we move on to the next set of characters? I'm good. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll say, I will take the silence as a no. So our next trio, a little bit of an oddball trio. <laughs> um, but... It, at least two of them have actually relatively larger roles. The third person, she has a role, but at the same time, I couldn't figure out a real good place to put her. Um, so, we have Kokuryu Matsuoka. He is a detective, a field analyst for Kura, and helps find, like, track down. Like these cognition particles for the uh, well investigators and helps arrest the serial killers and the individuals. We have our other two characters are two of the serial killer killers that end up getting arrested. One is Tomatsu Fukuda. He's also known as the perforator, uh, serial killer wise. And he when he, he when he commits his crimes, he does them by drilling a hole in someone's head. In the hopes of fixing them. Because he drilled a hole in his head, survived, and he feels much better for it. Um, But partway through, he's actually thrown in also as one of the brilliant detectives. He's one of three. I think he's the the second one. Mm -hmm. Because he's tested out before our our third one that we'll talk about in a little bit. And the brilliant detective, he's also known as Anaido. Uh, when he's in the wells. And then we have Nahoshi Inami. She's also known as the Gravedigger. 
And for her, she actually partners up with one of the survivors of the perforator's um, killings. And he happens to be a childhood, like a school friend of her, of Inami's. Um, and essentially the method of killing is kidnapping individuals, putting them in barrels, uh, burying them so they have no oxygen, and essentially live feeding, live streaming the whole thing online. And like, so that way people watch, like, people watch these, in, these victims suffer. And it's kind of nuts. Um, but <laughs> both Fukuda and Inami are very calm, cool, and collected individuals. It's very interesting. Uh, so, individuals voicing these characters, I'll start with Inami first. Uh, Naohoshi Inami, the gravedigger, is voiced by... This wasn't confirmed originally on any of the usual sites like ANN or BATV. But I did discover after I got the confirmation that it was added to ANN. <laughs> so, thanks, thanks to Jeremy Inman, I got the confirmation just to be safe. Um, that Bryn April is the voice of Inami. Uh, Bryn has voiced other characters such as Ritsu from Assassination Classroom, Hiyori in Noragami, and I can't believe I'm fucking bringing this up because this is how my life works and I have to make the connection. Please don't. Natsuko Honda from King's Game the Animation. How did I know that was coming? <sighs> oh, that bitch. <laughs> anyway, don't watch King's Game, ladies and gentlemen. It's a flaming hot pile of garbage. There is no cakes game in Bossing say. Only for some people. The actors had to suffer through it. They got paid though, so I mean gotta look for that silver lining, right? Um, Tomatsu Fukuda, the perforator and Anaido. Um, he is voiced by Justin Cook. He is voice uh, Justin has voiced other characters such as Hatsuharu Soma in all iterations of Fruits Basket, both 2001 and the 2019-2020 series. Um, Dietrich von Lohengrin from Trinity Blood, and no, I'm gonna talk. No, I'm not talking about Kirishima. I'm gonna say he also voiced Yusuke Yurameshi in Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, as for Matsuoka, we have Jared Green. Uh, Jared has portrayed characters such as Mikhail Manfred in The Ancient Magus Bride, Yang in Gangsta, and Rock from Nanbaka. Uh, let's start with Jamal on this one. What are your thoughts on these characters? Uh, I think I'll save Brit for last. Uh, Justin Cook is Fukuda. It's kind of interesting because I never really heard Justin Cook in a lot of stuff, and what I do, he sounds pretty, sounds pretty good, but... Uh, mm -hmm. He really takes Fukuda to a whole level, cause like, you know, it's it's like I don't even know how to describe it. To be honest, it's just mm -hmm. he's serious, but at the same time, can be a bit little, little bit playful. Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like a rocker, but at the same time, he's kind of deadly. He's definitely a Subic, and then you find out he's more of the Subic than you expect, because the whole thing. With him and the habit of drilling holes, is that you find out he has something called erythromania. Yes. Which is basically, in layman's terms, viewers, it's OCD with numbers. Mm-hmm. And the fact that is, no matter, no matter what numbers he looks at, he's, he feels compelled to take them in. So the whole thing with the drill is that, like, he just wants it out, I guess. Yep. So having to play, I guess... Aside of the half of a character, 
I can't say dual sides because there is no two sides to Fukuda other than Naito. Yeah. Well, you can't even say a Naito is a dual side, honestly. Yeah, that's why it's a side and a half because, you know. I know. <laughs> Plus, he's got a full face and Fukuda doesn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my Good god! Good night, everybody! Oh my Yay! god! That's it. We're done for the night. Bye, everyone. Lack is lack Don't is forget done to tip again. Well, there's, <laughs> well, there's the cl- lack comes in with the zinger, boys and girls. Well, there's the clip of the week. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yes. having to play that side the half essentially, Jessica did a very good job. Is Fukuda. Mm-hmm. Jared Green, I always enjoy Jared Green, everything he's in. He's kind of hard-boiled. Fuck. In his investigative capacity, mm-hmm. very temperamental, but, you know, he, he really cares for his co-workers. I mean, to the point, he even made that uh, recommendation that uh, one of the other serial killers should join the Misu Hadame. Which we'll get to later on. But he says he's doing it Technically for... not a serial killer. Well, no, no. It's more of a drive to kill. We'll explain that with the the character later on. Don't worry about that yes. for right now. The implication's there, though. It is. And he realizes that. Mm-hmm. He, he says he does that out of his protection for him and his colleagues. But I think there's more to mm-hmm. it than that. And Jagri does a, does a very good job in this role. With April, on the other hand, here's, here's the interesting thing, because, I mean, yes, it's a very good performance. It's definitely very good, so because the thing about it is, she plays essentially three different characters, if if you have, if you've seen the show. She's the Grave Digger, of course, which she actually uses a natural voice, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Kind of comes out like out, I guess, very unassuming, very sexy if you think about it. But uh, she plays the uh, she shares a body with the amalgamation you see in the end. Well, I forgot, yeah, you're right. I was like, Where's the third one? I know two of them technically. The third one but... was on the train when you essentially get to her arc and you find out uh, mm-hmm. about her mother's suicide. Yep, so having the to play three different characters, three, I guess all more or less share the same attitude, it was, was kind of interesting, it was kind of breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Not as breathtaking, it's hard to watch again a kiss for Kazuna, but uh... <laughs> and then he know me getting fucking pissed! Which, by the way, I tried to find that tweet of uh... Cause I also asked Jeremy and me about this, because I couldn't believe that was Brit April either, that... Mm-hmm. I also found out, he told me he played Kazuna as well, I was like, Bullshit. Why well, didn't say that to his who's, face? Who's, who was Kazuta? He's the guy. I don't that, think I ever found that. He was the guy that no, was. No, no, no. Who who voices Kazuta? Jeremy. Jeremy Inman. Yeah. Oh shit! I never knew that. Yeah. Me... I was like, I couldn't find that listing either. I couldn't find a Nami or Kazuta. I'm like, what? Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't ask about Kazuta because Kazuta doesn't really do anything. He doesn't. But, um... No, he doesn't do anything because he was essentially mindless, as you can see in his eyes. But oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so That's fun, though. to hear him play that duality of character, I'm not saying this because mm-hmm. I, I like his actress. To hear him play that duality of character that's so dark, so unassuming. Mm-hmm. 
was really intriguing, and I was yep. I would I didn't exactly understand how 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 the magic came to that conclusion that she was the grave digger until later. I thought maybe it was woman's intuition or something, but no, it was something more than that. It was very impressive. Mm-hmm. I guess. It, damn it! I know I had the joke for this, but I forget. <laughs> well, we'll give it a few minutes. You're probably it'll probably come back to mind. I'm assuming. <laughs> In the meantime, do you have any other thoughts or? Oh, no, wait, it wasn't a joke, it was a reference I was going to make, because I had also watched Supercop getting ready for this episode. Uh, she's essentially the uh, Madame Chibat to this show, because the whole thing with her and Kazuta is like, you know, they're kind of there for each other, but really they just want something out of each other, to be honest. Because, as they state in the show, she's kind of a sadist and, uh, and a mastermind, so... Oh, yeah. But other than that, Very that's pretty much all I have to say on the matter. Okay. Uh, Aman, what are your thoughts on the performances? Hmm. Where to start? <clears throat> uh, Brynn does a really good job. Uh, she, as, as Jamal was saying, like, she has a complicated character to play. Uh, and I think she, she does a good job of balancing all that and making kind of the distinct sides of that character feel like they're part of, you know, the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, also just very chilling to watch her be very calm as like they're finally putting putting together like oh you're the grave digger mm-hmm. great this is oh and your boyfriend's upstairs wonderful uh, he has is... knives fantastic great knives <laughs> out well. the proms tomorrow <laughs> and well and uh, and 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 I, th- I this is I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in part because this is the episode I watched to kind of uh, refresh me on her performance. So I thought the the little kind of you know just sort of emotive bit she does when uh, uh, Hanamachi uh, like kisses her boyfriend and she's just intent to kill rising. Ri- yep. Oh shit! And then there's the rising. cognition particles. It's like yeah, exactly. Is. And it's like, and that was that was that was a very small bit, but I thought that was very well played on her part. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared is really good as Matsuoka. I keep forgetting that he. Whenever I see photos of him, I always think it's like, oh, he's our age, and yet he ends up voicing all these characters who are like grizzled veterans of one thing or another. Um, he has the should, voice in the range for I mean, him. He 100%. should. He should. He's always good at it. It's just so it's just oh, yeah. funny. Um, yeah, I really liked his performance as Matsuoka. He was just a good like. Veteran detective, he's seen a lot. He's taking this younger, younger person under his wing. He maybe says some very not nice things about them at one point that I thought he was kind of a jerk for. <laughs> he means well, though. We find out by the end of it. I know, but it's like, man, dude. It's like that's that's cold, Matsuoka. Jesus. God. Um. And Jaren just did a really good job of it. I thought he was just, he, he, he just, he sold that, like, you know, Matsuoka's part of a very distinct character type in these kind of mysteries, and I thought Jared just sold that really, really well. Uh, I, re- I especially liked his banter a lot with, uh, or just interactions with Hanamachi's actress. Like, mm-hmm. I thought they, they, they played off each other really, really well. Okay. Uh, and what can I say about Justin Cook in this role? You're a mesh. What, 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 I, love, I love Justin Cook. <laughs> Sorry, I'm staring at because I, I usually write down credits, obviously, for my notes. I have Yusuke Yurameshi, and I just stared at him like, Yurameshi! Bring, oh, bring up Justin Cook, crap. everyone when immediately does a Chris Savage impression. 
Show VAs took a dark turn I was not expecting. (laughs) (sighs) He was a finger gun, he just shot. Alright. Give him a drill, it's fine. He has the drill that pierces the heavens or at least. Oh my god! Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute chaos. Welcome to Dumb Talk, where we are a disaster of a podcast and make the stupidest of fucking jokes every week. Come join us, This is what us, happens everyone. when you put an you actual voice a... actor on in the group, I just want to say. Like... <laughs> you thought this was a serious endeavor, you were wrong. Uh, We've been here for five years and we're still fucking Holy disaster. crap, what happened to your oh, yeah. face, you're a messy... Alright, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I fucking love you! <laughs> Shit, I'm so happy that you agreed to do this episode because I'm like, I feel like this show would yeah. be your jam. I'm happy you're here now. If Chris Sabin ever hears this, I apologize. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, shit. So, uh, well, a fun thing about me trying to pick up Justin Cook roles is that in my mind, you know, Justin Cook is, he's eternally Yusuke because I watched Yu Yu show at a very impressionable age and that's always stuck with me. Uh, so consequently, I'm pretty sure I knew this was him the whole time and never quite made the connection of like, oh, that's Justin Cook. Uh, and he's kind of weirdly a lot of fun as this character. Um, he's just, he, there, there's a lot of like weird, like... They get for a character who feels like he would have been the initial antagonist, and then we never see him again for the rest of the show. Uh, right. Fukuda has like way more of an actual like arc and character development. <laughs> it's like when I watched Hannibal and the girl from the first episode, who you're pretty sure is gonna be a one-off character. It's like no, she's a major reoccurring character for the rest of the show. Psych, fooled you. Um, Whoops. And he, it, like, I think Justin gives him a lot of. If not humanity, at least just like weight. Uh, like it, 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 it gives you a weird thing where even if you don't necessarily like empathize with Fukuda, you understand what his deal is and why he is the way he is and why he does what he does. Um, and this is important because that means he gets to be turned into another uh, brilliant detective, and we get to have the episodes that are just him and Sakaido dicking around in Dreamscape, and Fukuda not taking this nearly as seriously. <laughs> But, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for you that, but I, I just... right out of my mouth, Steph. He, he, Justin has so much fun during those segments, and he is such a yep. delight to listen to. Mm-hmm. It is great. Uh, I, my opinion, Justin Cook doesn't show up in nearly enough things, like, just to the point that just him showing up in, like, Fruits, the Fruits Basket remake was just, like, hallelujah. Someone has cast Justin Cook uh, in a major honestly, role yeah, again. yeah, when I saw that he was in My Hiraka, like, if while back i was actually surprised mm-hmm. i was like oh my god really he's coming back to the mic no yeah, yeah. But, but, but what's funny is i know someone had immediately first said that justin cook is yusuke urameshi and no one else like you can't even say kirishima's that much of a deviation no, from yusuke really. <laughs> kirishima's not nicer really. it's than kind yusuke, funny. it's true kirishima yeah. is a sweetheart Yusuke, kind of a dick. Fukuda, oof. Fukuda, a little <laughs> out there. You're rough, buddy. 
And then there's Hatsuharu-sama. Yeah. <laughs> this goober. Uh, Excuse me, I voiced uh, Haru. Thank you. He's very special to me as well. So. <laughs> He's a goober, but we love him. We love Hatsuharu. We do. That dog. Um... <laughs> Do I have anything else to say? Justin, he's just really good at this role. I, it, it is always a treat when Justin steps up behind the mic again because he, I mean, he does a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and clearly, like, he's good at that. He wouldn't be keep doing it if he doesn't. Uh, but I treasure whenever he gets cast in something, and it was just so nice to see him play such a interesting and specific character and just really get mm -hmm. to flex his acting muscles. Like, I, I, I had a blast every time he was on screen. Okay. Lack, what are your thoughts on these performances? Um, I, all around, really, really good. I mean, bad, you know, Kuwabara impressions aside, um, like, <laughs> I, first of all, I didn't know that was Justin Cook until I looked it up. And and once I heard, once I saw mm -hmm. that it was Justin Cook, I could hear it, but you don't really hear him playing these kind of characters a lot, so it's super cool mm -hmm. to hear him do a voice, like, play a character like uh, um, yeah. Not much else to say. I think this might be one of the best roles I've ever heard in. Honestly. I can 100% agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I think this is an excellent character for him to play, and I think he performed it pretty damn well. Um, mm -hmm. uh, for Inami, I really like Britain's take on her because it was really creepy and, like, super, super, like, did, like I'm trying to think of the, the right word like it, it was so she so distanced herself from what she was doing and you really got that mm. from the performance and I like that a lot like I like the fact that she she played herself so normal it was creepy and when the and when those little moments started to come out where you started to see that there was something off about her it was really really effective mm -hmm. um yeah, and Gerard Green is uh, Matsuoka. It was Gerard Green doing his Gerard Green voice, so you know, as a, as a guy who, as a guy, as a young guy who also does old man voices, you know, I have to respect Gerard Green. Um, and yeah, no, Matsuoka was a lot of fun. I, I liked him as character, and I think Green did a really good job, like doing the voice. Like, um, yeah, and there were some great subtle moments with Matsuoka where you kind of see that he does have a lot of baggage and that he's seen a lot of shit in this job and it reflects out in his behavior and I think Gerard Green really yeah. like played that extremely well so all around these three characters got great performances from the belt in my opinion okay uh let's see I'll start with Bryn as well um granted this is I think all of the serial killers, this goes back to what I was saying with the um, directing and writing, where all of the serial killers we meet along the way in this series are very subtle in their mentality and psychological mindsets. And um, in Bryn and with Inami as the gravedigger, <laughs> subtle sadistic tendencies and... I like that you brought up the word distant with her lack because that actually plays a pretty sizable role with her being distant from um, crap. 
the name of, of the guy that was uh, working with knife her. Knife dude, yeah. Knife dude, Kasuto. yes. Mr. Knife Thank guy. Not, <laughs> Mr. Not, not so Mr. Knife guy. No more Mr. Knife guy. Oh, you bet. God. <laughs> no more no. Mr. Knife guy. <laughs> anyway, um, no, because that's part that's brought up in the show is the fact that their relationship is distant from each other, and Inami keeps it that way, one hundred percent. Because throughout the course of the Grave Digger um, investigation, and everything. The Idwell that Sakaido originally jumps into is thought to be the Gravedigger. But eventually, again, we find out that the Gravedigger is actually Inami, and that's not even her well, because she was able to hide her Im her impulse to kill until <laughs> Nomachi kissed him. And then she's like, bitch! <laughs> like, subtle bitch, and then, there we go. Um, but... This is going to be probably a recurring thing when I talk about all of the serial killers involved in the show. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. It's very methodical. Um, it is there. It's <laughs> like the intent is there. And everything with the, these different serial killers is so subtle that like all of the reveals throughout the course of the show for these characters are very intriguing. And when I first watched, uh, when I did my first watch and I got to the Gravedigger part, I didn't think that it was this girl who was just chatting with Hondon Machi and um, Matsu Matsuoka. And then we get towards the end of the episode and it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you're the gravedigger, right? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so, like, that I think that's one of the big perks of the show in general, but also the direction, is that subtlety is kept throughout. And Bryn just has so much fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, I know I fucking brought up King's Game. I and, looked this uh, up. I am not, like, so it's, it's a game where these kids are told to do shit like like that episode of yep. of uh, black mirror or something okay mm -hmm. yeah they're told to do shit and if they don't they get killed um and Bryn basically plays the main heroine of the show but this main heroine is also fucking nuts and that and that's a different kind of nuts as in like kind of out there crazy compared to Inami being a bit more subtle that's kind of why, even though I fucking hated that show, it was so dumb. That's why I wanted to bring up um, Natsuko uh, and Bryn's performance in that, because she's capable of playing these these psychotic characters, but Inami's is much more subtle um, compared to Natsuko. And I really liked that subtlety that she brought out with the character. Um, Jared as Matsuoka. I love Jared Green. I love it when we get to see him in things. Like, when the podcast started, we we basically knew nothing. He was, like, relatively new in terms of, like, really big named characters. And over the years, it's always been so much fun to see him pop, in more pop up in more things. Um, like you guys have been saying already, uh, Jared is fun as this authoritative investigator dude um, who has seen a lot of shit. <laughs> 
he's seen plenty of shit. It's a lot of fun, and it's ah, uh, and it's I think it's very much in Jared's regular wheelhouse in terms of characters um, that he's played before. Oddly enough, the one character that's I wouldn't consider to be in his wheelhouse, but I'm also very excited to see more of next season, Shinzo from My Hero. That is a different character for Jared, and I love him as that. Um, Shinzo is my son. <laughs> I will protect him. Um, but no, I really love Jared's performance as this investigator who really goes with the straight and narrow, but along the way he's seen things and he's dealt with things, but he has to still keep pushing forward to do his job because this is what he's supposed to do. And I love I love that straight and narrow portrayal of it. Um, Justin. If it wasn't for one other specific performance, Justin would have been my favorite performance in the whole show. <laughs> because, again... The serial killers are so subtle and so methodical, but I liked the fact that it was brought up that this is very different than what we hear from Justin because it is very true. We're used to the Yusuke Yurameshis, we're used to the Kirishimas, we're used to the Hatsuharu, we're used to the specific energy and this energetic and like, heck yeah, bro, like this kind of energetic character for Justin to play. And then you throw him into the mind of this serial killer. And it's completely captivating from start to finish for me. Um, it, it's hard to describe it without repeating myself so much. Um, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And then one of the key parts, I know this hasn't been brought up yet, Though Jamal alluded to it a tiny bit with his uh, one and a half brain, basically. Um, so one of the big things with the Idwell is when the brilliant detectives are dive in and everything that I, like that, they don't remember anything about their actual lives, right? Mm -hmm. Fukuda is a little bit different because we find out later on that because of uh, his wonderful little drill to the head thing, it rewired some parts of his brain. So when he dives into the well, he remembers exactly who the fuck he is. And it becomes very clear when Sakaido comes back from the well within a well. And Naito is just like, yeah, this is who you actually are. And then causes a huge ruckus. But um, that secret is so well hidden. And I think one of the funnier parts for Justin's performance of Fukuda is while he's being buddy-buddy with Sakaido in um, the well, <laughs> he all of a sudden goes from this subtle guy to having more pep and energy. He's like, yeah! <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? It was so funny, and it seems so out of place for the character, but then you realize why he did it, and I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> like... This is a very complex and methodical character, and, and Justin portrayed it so, so well. I loved every second of it. Again, if it wasn't for one of the characters, Justin would have been my favorite performance in the whole show. Um, was there any other thoughts? I didn't miss anyone, did I? I'm losing track of shit now. I didn't miss anyone. We all went, right? 
Okay. So. I, I was gonna say if Mon went, then we've all gone. So. Okay. Cool. So, moving on, we have two groups left. Our next duo. Our next duo has at least a decent amount of role to fulfill. We have Koharu Hondo Machi and we have Funetaro Momaki. Hondo Machi is. She starts as one of the field analysts, a rookie under Matsuoka. Um, but through various events, um, she in, we, we end up seeing her have the aptitude at, to become a brilliant detective, so she ends up transferring to um, the new department with Matsuoka's recommendation. And she ends up becoming the brilliant detective, Mio Hirijido. Hirijido. Blah, blah, blah. Words. Um, by the way, the only brilliant detective with a first name. Very weird. Anyway. Um, the show has no rules. And anyway. she ends up... <laughs> She has no fucking rules. This train has no brakes. Um, and then that's the uh, hard way. I know, right? <laughs> Shit! I just thought of Inami's story when you said that. I was thinking Fuck. episode 10, but that was more than a freight train. <laughs> anyway, but um, Honomachi plays a major role throughout the, the show and um, ends up also helping in resolving the John Walker case by the end of it. Uh, Momoki is the director of the Kura investigative team. And he's the one who usually leads the charge in these investigations and everything like that. He's also... He used to also be a detective alongside Norisigo, who we'll talk about um, in a little bit. But... Momoki, <laughs> Momoki's ass ends up arrested halfway through because he's accused of being John Walker. But we find out that Chief Hayasura basically tried to frame Momoki in order to get him out of the picture and basically cause this huge thing where Kiki Asukai is freed and all of a sudden the whole fucking building becomes a giant Mizuhaname. It's, it's a weird, complicated mess. Anyway, the individuals voicing these characters... As Momoki, I'm going to start there, we have Christopher Waycamp, who has voiced other characters such as Shinji Mukumi from City Hunter Shinjuku Pri Private Eyes, the recent film that came Get out. Get wild and tough! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, TM Network. Uh, Bruno von Glansreich from The Royal Tutor, a small blast from the past because we love him so much. And um, probably one of one of the more well-known roles. I'm not talking about Eraserhead. I'm talking about Susumu Kodai from Space Star Blazer Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2202. Thank you very much. Oh, I, th um, I thought you were gonna say Miles Edgeworth for Ace Attorney. Oh God, no! <laughs> like, if anything, the two roles that I will always know Chris for currently is Eraserhead and Kodai. That's it. Like. Like, he's fantastic, but those are the two I will always remember him for because he's fantastic. Um, as for Hondomachi, we have a name that is no stranger to the voice acting world. We have Monica Rial. Uh, she has voiced characters such as Chani Laferre in Bakano, Shiro from Dead Man Wonderland, and of course, Michiko Malandro from Michiko and Hotchin. Let's start with... Amon, let's start with you. Alright. <clears throat> see. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Chris, because uh, I think he does a really good job as Momoki. He has 
Uh, he's he's sort of you know, we talked about the bridge crew earlier. He's kind of the guy in the bridge crew who gets to have more of a uh, involvement in the story. He's not just there to kind of explain what's going on. Right. <laughs> uh, and I mean, this is a good role for Christopher. I think like this is you know, he's got the you know it's a good fit for his voice. It's this very you know he's he's a guy in charge and he knows what's going on. He has to make tough decisions and gets framed for crimes he didn't commit and has to be agitated about it. Yep. Uh, but he does, you know, things Chris, Mr. Recap excels at that. He's very good at it. Uh, and he's, he's got, he's got, I, he's good at that. And he's got, also, I think he has very good chemistry with, uh, now here is, Niri, Niri, Nari, Nari Hisago? Narisigo. 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 Yeah. I'm tired, so words aren't coming, but Narisigo. It's fine. Uh, he has a lot of good chemistry with his actor, which I think, you know, especially, like, as far as, like, getting into, like, what's Narisigo's deal, I think a lot of those conversations are very important. Uh, yes. And I think their chemistry, like, their chemistry shines through a lot of the time. Uh, particularly just in the sense you can tell it's, like, these two used to be friends. Like, they had a good relationship. And, uh, you know, Momoki doesn't show it all the time. You can tell it kind of kills him that this is what has happened to this guy that he cared about. And this is who he is yeah. now. Uh, you know, and Chris doesn't, you know, again, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't play that super hard, but you can tell that in his performance. Like, there, there's a, there's clearly a part of him that is just unhappy about how the world has turned out. Uh, and that, you know, things have gone the way they have. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he gives a really strong performance. I like it a lot. Uh, particularly when they're in, like, you know, the the idwell within the idwell and you kind of get to see it's like oh this is how things used to be like this, yeah. this is nice Double i could have been like this yeah exactly insert exhibit joke here i'll let you <laughs> you know, you've all heard it i'll let you fill it in for yourself oh, uh uh but i want to talk about monica uh just because Mon so monica Mon you know what can i say about monica real like it's monica real all, all, let us all bow down to our Lord and Master, uh, who's been in eight billion things and is good in basically all of them, <laughs> except for the ones that are bad. I like how you said all Halo Lord and Master, Monica. Co-star is still best girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Still true. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I do not need to sing Monica's praises specifically. We all know she's good. Uh, but I liked her a lot in here because, you know, uh, Hanamachi is like on the younger side, you know, she, you know, she, it is very much something that Monica uses her, like, regular speaking voice for. Uh, and consequently, after she gets, she willingly drills a hole in her head. Uh, and gets a little weird. It is, there's something weirdly interesting about hearing Monica use that voice for a character who is just a lot less, like, innocent and a lot more worldly and a lot more, like, I need yeah. a result here. Absolutely. What do yeah. I do to get this result? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is clearly why she has such a hard falling out with Matsuoko, who's like so painfully by the book. Uh, the the idea that like you would even remotely engineer a situation to you know reveal something is just so anathema to him, uh, and that's why he says all those mean things about her, which was very mean yep. of him. How dare he? Uh, she's just <laughs> she's just she's just trying to solve some crimes, my dude. Ease up on it. <laughs> Stop being uh, an asshole. Exactly, but she's just really she's really good at that. I I especially like that scene, uh, like at the end of the Grave Digger, where she's just being a lot more, like just flippant and caustic than she has been. Like she yep. really sells that. I think uh, you can tell she was having a lot of fun being able to play that character and also using like I think kind of this vocal quality that I think 
when she does play characters a little more like that, I don't know if she necessarily is asked to pull out. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to say that she never has. Monica Riel's been in a lot of things. I have not seen most of them because... Ain't nobody got time I've... for that. Yeah, I got a... I got, so I much got... anime, so little time. I got bills, man. I ain't got time to sit around watching cartoons all day. I wish I did, but I don't. That's the sad facts mm. of the thing. Uh, and she's and she's like you know she she's just really good at this character. Um, and she also like especially you know and later on when she gets to play off of near uh, Isago's character, uh, she's great there. Like she 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 really brings her all to this role. I think this this role I think could have been a lot flatter in different hands with a different character arc. And I think she was given the opportunity to play like a really interesting, complicated role. And I think she did mm-hmm. it really really well. Like I enjoyed her a lot. She's She's probably tied for my favorite... Well, there's a three-way tie for my favorite performance in the show, frankly. Uh, it's her and Justin. It's Akaido's actor, but we'll get to him. Uh, but she, yeah. she, she, I liked her a lot. She was very good. Okay. <coughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off of you for a second here, and I'll, I'll go into my thoughts. I'll start with Monica, actually, on this. Because when you said that Hondo Machi vocally sounds like Monica's actual range, but then we're talking about a very interesting character personality-wise. It's like, I have not seen this combination before of Monica voicing a character in more of her natural range and register like this um, with the complexity of some of her characters that are usually voiced with her big girl voice, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's a very interesting combination to run into here uh, with Hondo Machi. Because um, she's very she's very sweet and gentle, at least in the beginning. And then, again, once she becomes a victim of the perforator, essentially, and um, Justin Cook's last victim before he's arrested, um... <laughs> Once that happens, the gears start turning so much more. There were hints of it in the beginning, of course, because she's asking so many questions. She's getting herself involved in this investigation, even though she's still a rookie. Matsuoka's like, Honnamachi, stop it. <laughs> um, bitch, you're new. Cut it out. Um, but those gears really start turning the more Honnamachi gets involved with all of these cases and these serial killers. So... It suddenly becomes a much more meatier and complex role for Monica to play. And I honestly fell in love with it um, because of the fact that it's not just Monica voicing a character that Monica would normally play. There's so much more to the character, um, which I which I think brings out the performance so a lot more. And I just kudos to Monica on that one. Uh, Chris as Momoki. Very much level-headed, straightforward, shows a good amount of authority and leadership. I only say a good amount because Hayasura does outrank him and has more authority than Momoki does. Um, But other than that, he runs like a well-oiled machine, essentially, with the um, investigators and the well-sighted operators and stuff like that. But, like you were saying, Amon, at the same time, the interactions I think he has with Narisigo, 
show a very different side in Momoki and Chris's performance because him and Narisigo knew each other way before Narisigo ended up killing a man and becoming known as the serial killer and is involved in this. They used to be friends. They were fellow investigate, like fellow detectives, all this stuff. So the early, and definitely the early indications of this are in the end of episode two, where Momoki first really like privately interacts with Narisigo. Um, cause it was episode two actually. Um, cause Jamal, you mentioned it earlier with Bryn, no, not Bryn, um, Kiki, Kiki Asukai, um, having a brief moment where we hear Sarah, but then it shifts over to Muku, who um, Tia Ballard voices. Yeah. Um, it was episode two where that comes up. That's what it was, because that was part of their conversation. And you can see those hints of their relationship, like the little seeds going in there. And then it kind of grows and develops from there. And you realize throughout the course of the show, even though... Momoki is doing his job. To an extent, deep down, he still sees Narisigo as a friend and a colleague. And because he does care about Narisigo, because remember the amount of times that Momoki is like, do you need a break? Are you okay? Can you do it again? Can you go back in there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's deep down, he still cares. But he at the <coughs> end of the day, he also has to do his job. Um, and I think Chris does phenomenal um, with portraying that leadership and all this fun stuff. Uh, Jamal, what are your thoughts on these performances? Well, I'm going to start with uh, Wake Camp first because uh, like I like I was stating when you uh, introduced this roles, I said Miles Edgeworth because this character is kind of, kind of remind me more of Miles Edgeworth because... You know, the thought, okay, fair. Yeah, authoritative figure was kind of set up. Gotcha, fair. But also, he kind of reminds me of, uh, again, my door to reporter, Danny Whitworth. He's, uh, he was this, he's, this, he's also a level-headed guy. He's, again, very unassuming, and he's, well, I can't ex exactly say he, set, he was set up if you've ever seen my door to reporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that did not end well for him. Let's just put it that way. But, uh... Chris Wakecamp managed to pull off this character very well. You know, it's in his wheelhouse. I expect nothing less than the best from him. Mark of Y'all is hard to watch, however. I'm not gonna go through the motions and say it's just Mark of Y'all doing the Mark of Y'all thing, because... When I first started watching this, I felt this performance had kind of a genesis quality to it to where I mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like a typical Michael we all kind of performance and I realize why because you know she's using I guess essentially about her young girl voice to uh, I guess with this a uh, complex character because the thing about Hadamachi is for the preview I thought she was kind of assuming as well because you know she's 23 she's new to the force she she's pretty gung-ho and then there was that point where she got kidnapped by the perforator up to the point she forcibly had a hole drilled in her head. Her choice, not his. Better say, we say, you say forcibly, but it was her own fucking like, choice. I say forcibly because she pushed her, she was tied up, she pushed her head into that drill. She did. She was like, headbutt drill, let's go. Yeah, and, yep. then I, and then I remember as uh, the episodes were coming out, like, 
because I was because I was on the biggest I was on a private Discord, and uh, Roots was talking about that episode. And when we when it got to the point that Hadamachi met up with Akazuta, she he kind of kissed her for the first time. Roots was like, uh, "Yeah, we're gonna she's gonna have to get a bell tied on on her." I'm like, "No, this this is not that kind of show." This, Cause I, cause I don't think Hanobachi's a damsel in distress kind of character. I think there's more to it than that. And you realize the hard way. Oh, yeah. I, the, yeah. But yeah, my game does, does very well as both Hanobachi as Hijirido because. Again, again, there's a kind of an aptitude to this. Because the whole thing with the perfect, that's what I was like, trying to explain because. I mean, yeah, she did kill a person, but it was more the intent to kill at that point. Yep. Rather than the actual killing, because you could kill somebody and not end up being a pilot. I like how... One of, one, of, one of the stipulations it's explained in the show is... One of the qualifications, that's what it is, uh, to be a brilliant detective is, is that you have the intent to kill and you have killed someone. To which Honda Maji has done both. Yeah. And, uh, so I that's why. Yeah, I like that dynamic she takes with both sides of Hard that Marika takes with both sides of Hardamachi. And also I like how she played off of uh, Jared Green as Matsuoka. Mm-hmm. Or as they that likes to call the, those two uh take you down at the work day. <laughs> oh You know what? <laughs> or as I like wrong. or as I like to call it, stop or my daughter will shoot. <laughs> <laughs> also not wrong. <laughs> But yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very good, and I, I can't wait to see what more Mike does later on in the year. Like, I'm looking forward to the Demon Girl next door, because that, that's also kind of unassuming as well. And it does feel very different than the usual Mike of all, too. I can't explain how, but it does. And that's okay. all I really have to say. All right, Lock? Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys didn't leave me much to really add on to that. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, no, Momoki was really good. Uh, Christopher Wickham did a really good job with the character. Uh, when you've got all these really eccentric people in your show, it's nice to have a character who's a little more grounded like Momoki. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wickham was able to bring a lot to the character in spite of that. Uh, and Madoka Real did an absolutely fantastic job as Hanamaji. Uh, like you said, Steph, uh, it's just great that she could play a character like this and it not be her typical squeaky anime girl voice. Right. So, and that was really cool. Um, yeah, I really don't have that much to add. <laughs> I, the, All right. These are both very, very good performances. And, and the actors, yeah, they did a great job. So. All right. Cool. So, on that note, then let's move on to our last character, because there's no fucking way we're not talking about Narisigo, but, like, with anybody else. Like, I refuse at this point. Um, Akihito Narisigo, a.k.a. Sakaido. Uh, he is essentially our main protagonist in this whole series. He, <laughs> former detective, um, daughter is one of the victims of the Challenger, uh, his, the challenger, he goes and fucking kills him out of revenge. Uh, wife, though, also dies of suicide because of the grief. 
Um, but no, it was daughter dies, wife dies, he kills the challenger, he ends up getting his ass arrested. <laughs> um, and for mur for the murder of the challenger, uh, to which I know we didn't mention it. And I know Amon was very, was like, I would have loved to talk about him. Quick PSA, Brian Mathis as a crazy serial killer is a joy. Let, it, let us note that he's a serial killer whose basic uh, modus apparatus is he kidnaps people and then beats them to death in an MMA match. He makes them yes. fight first before he beats them to death. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's basically an MMA, MMA fight where the the victim has no fucking hope of winning. Um, but anyway, Narisigo is arrested. Uh, the Kura, the, the Kura program, the Mizuhaname program is created. Um, Narisigo is in the beginning, at least the one and only pilot that they use for this. Um, and he is the brilliant detective Sakaido going into these Idwells and, sol and helping solve these various cases with these serial killers. Huh. That's the short end of it. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot more to this. So, oh yeah, one extra side note that'll probably become relevant at some point in the conversation. Narisa Go is responsible for the suicides of five serial killers that they had managed to arrest it while he was imprisoned. Side note, because I think it'll be important uh, in part of this discussion. Voicing Aki, Akihito Narisiko is Josh Greeley. And Josh, of course, you have heard in a variety of shows, but he, um, he has voiced characters such as Femt from Blood Bowl K Battlefront, Miyoshi in Joker Game, and... <laughs> I know this is a weird contrast to bring it up, but I still love this performance anyway. Zen Wisteria from Snow White with the Red Hair. <coughs> know what I'm gonna do? I know we didn't give you much to work off of, so Lack, why don't we hear your thoughts first on the performance? Um, extremely strong. Um, look, it, it, it is different to hear Just really play a character like this, just because, first of all, he's kind of playing two characters, like more so than anyone else. I think more so yes. than Justin and more so than Monica. Mm -hmm. Um... And it's it's interesting, especially when you watch the first episode, and you don't really know Akihito at all. All you know is Sakaido, and Sakaido is this confident. He's this uh, assured, and even though he has no memories, he's like, "Oh, I got this shit." Mm -hmm. Like everybody, relax. I got this. Um, and then he gets out of the of the well, and Akihito is a bum, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's really the gist of it when yeah. you first see him, yeah. He looks and, awful. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> we talk about Matsuoka having seen some shit. Get some rest, uh, tall child! Narisako <laughs> has seen some shit. Let the poor man sleep. Get some rest, Fuck. tall child. You can't keep burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> um, uh, John Mulaney, thank you. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, like, and it's, it's really cool to kind of see how the personalities really change because honestly, throughout the series and up until like the last few episodes, Sakaido and Akihito are two completely different characters. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, as mentioned before, personality wise, and 
the fact that Josh Greeley has to keep going back and forth from these two characters is really impressive. We don't see that a lot in a lot of fiction, actually, honestly. That's not something that's very common in fiction. And Greeley really plays it well. He really is able to create the, the broken, sad, angry, you know, poor soul like Akihito, um, who's got a dark side, and the confident and cool and collected Sakaido. And I think that's really, really great. Um, yeah, it's definitely the one of the stronger performances. I still think I like Justin Cook more as Fukunada. Or Fu mm -hmm. Fu Fu uh, sorry. Fukuda. Fukuda. Fukuda, yeah. You got it. Yeah. I believe in you. Fukuda. Um, but definitely Josh Greeley as, as uh, Akihito Sakaido is really, really impressive. And mm -hmm. uh, definitely one of the best performances I've ever heard from him, too. So, mm -hmm. okay, that's my thoughts. Uh, cool, Jamal. <coughs> I'm uh, need a moment. Stop dying, first of all. <laughs> I don't need a minute. <laughs> Boy. Uh, yeah, like, what is there to say about Josh Greeley at this point? Cause I'd say it was out of the box, but it goes even beyond that. Like, Josh is one of those actors that somehow manages to still surprise you with what he's capable of. And that says a lot, honestly. I, I guess maybe it's because I haven't really seen the gritty side of Josh Grilly mm -hmm. ever, really. Like, yeah. And, and the fact that he has to play two different sides of the character. They dare, they dare. Damn sure not unassuming, I guarantee you that right now. Mm -hmm. Especially when you get into this backstory and everything. It's like, oh man, that backstory, like... I, I I talked about it already at the beginning of the episode, but episode, the middle of episode 10 really hits hard. And I don't think we give them enough credit. Like, uh, PSA, Alex more and T about it, man, like... When you when you watch the the story, you watch what uh, the recent has to go through. Mm -hmm. They will shatter your fucking heart, man. Like, oh God, yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, nobody should ever be put in that situation. That whole sequence in episode ten before Narisigo goes back to um, we find out in in the following episode his own idwell, ironically, um, that just hits you so hard. And the fact that you're kind of seeing it real time, and this is where the exception mm -hmm. part comes in, because you find out that he'd been living, we uh, living the entire year, trying to take out mm -hmm. all these serial kills and stuff, even though we know it's not real. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Hondo Macho comes up to him, she tells him it's been 20 minutes, like it really breaks his sense of time to the fact that, like, you kind of realize he has to deal with. The facts and uh, it was kind of painful. It's like I'm not gonna give too much rest. I I know that man tried to earn this W, but I got strong contention for that. Mm. But yeah, man. It, it, okay. It, I I I really can't find the words to describe it. All I, all I just know is is that you know, good Josh Greeley. And I and also I really appreciate the f bombs you dropped too. It's like that that <laughs> they let Josh say 
fuck? They <laughs> Andrew just went to the bathroom. He shouted from the bathroom. They let Josh say fuck. He they let Josh say fuck twice. <laughs> it was great. You wanted it. You demanded it. We let him swear on the TV show. He said, when "Let Josh say fuck you, cowards." And we not feel like you fucking psychopath. Hell yeah. It's so fucking great. Oh, I love man. it. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, like how many cop dramas they had to watch to show, like, they really get this, uh, this gritty reaction out of him. Cause mm -hmm. my God, it's, it's more intense than anything I've ever seen, to be honest. Oh, 100. percent I used to watch a lot of the cop shows back in the day too. Like, mm -hmm. but 100. I get that. I, I really can't find any faults with it, nor do I have anything else left to say. So I'm good. Alright, Alman, how about you? What are your thoughts on the performance? Uh, I, I, you're gonna hear no complaints from me. Josh is great in this role. Mm -hmm. uh, this, I mean, he, he is a central character. He has to carry a lot of this show, uh, either like yes. directly or with other people, and I think he does it phenomenally. Uh, he, is, he, he captures uh, Nerysago's just this pathos so well. Um... Mm -hmm his like his like his grief and also just like i think it's gonna sound weird i think josh does a good job of making him feel like a relatable character mm -hmm. while also emphasizing it's like yeah no he's kind of fucked up and he has done some really awful things like he's not <laughs> in ch like yeah sure shooting the challenger that's an under that is an extreme but comprehensible funk action of grief I mean, we'll... talking people into suicide in jail. On the other hand, that's a little extravagant. Talking five different people into suicide in jail. On the other hand, I it's mean, like that's. I mean, real talk, I'm on minus the suicide. He's literally John from Minority Report. I mean, you're not. You're not like he's. I. I just like. I like that the show is like. Yeah, no, you can relate to him, but like. He's got a little of that baroqueness that you get with these characters. Mm -hmm. Like he's not it's not an act like he's not he's not unfairly imprisoned, maybe. No <laughs> sad yeah. to say. It's not it's not unfair, it's not false imprisonment. He's there for a reason. Like, mm, yeah. And I, I appreciate I appreciate I thought that was an interesting just like thing to include in the show, and I thought Josh sold that really well of like mm -hmm. you can like him. He's not the worst. Uh but you know. You know, I you know, this is a man who probably thinks he belongs in jail on some level. <laughs> Which oh, is part yeah. of the reason he looks like trash all the time. It's like... <laughs> I mean, he Narisigo wouldn't argue with you on that one. No, he knows himself. He deserves <laughs> to be in jail. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the flip, the flip side of that, I. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side of that, I think he does a really good job of making uh, Narisigo and Sakaido feel like versions of the same individual. Yes. Uh, like they are, they are, they are distinct, but they do still feel like, yeah, this is. I can see how this is this. This is the same person, just in you know, in radically different circumstances and, and viewpoints. Uh, but there is that connection there, and I think that's really well executed by him. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else I want to say. Like he just, he does a really phenomenal job in this show. Like he, he was absolutely the right choice for this. Uh, like kudos mm -hmm. all around. Like goddamn. God damn, Josh! Holy shit! Um, okay, I don't have a ton to add because you, all of you, basically hit on a variety of points. Um, if I didn't allude to this before, I will say it now. 
this is my favorite performance of the show. Um, here's why. We've already brought it up several times, the fact that Josh essentially has to play two different characters that still equate to this one person. Um, you have the calm, cool, collecting cucumber Sakaido in the Idwell, and you have this very broken and kind of twisted individual Narisigo in the real world, right? And right off the bat, those two personalities are made very distinct in terms of vocal quality and performance. Narisigo, not Narisigo, Sakaido sounds more like typical Josh to an extent. Narisigo is a bit more of a quieter Josh. So I think that's one of the bigger distinctions in terms of like the vocal quality and, and, and obviously the personality. But the big thing that really sold me for Josh as Narisigo Sakaido is his portrayal of Narisigo specifically. Because Amon pointed this out a little bit and I kind of feel like it needs to be said more in depth. <laughs> I have never in my life, unless there's one magical performance that I have not possibly seen yet from him, I have never seen Josh go to this dark of a level psychologically before. Yeah, that that whole thing with the power technicians scared the crap out of me because it's like mm. that was just you couldn't turn a let that whole thing with the pyrotechnician and like telling him no this is why you do it like 100 percent, and you think you're gonna get that again it's like it's so disturbing and creepy but you can't look away you are so compelled to see this conversation play out from a very broken individual, such as Narisigo. Like, the only role that could put, like, in terms of a show similar to, in a show similar in genres to this, but doesn't even come close to Narisigo as a character, would be Psychopaths. Oh. Mm -hmm. That is the closest you can get, but that's only because of genre. Because Ginoza can be very prideful and straight lace and straightforward and very authoritative. Narisigo just goes to very dark places. And I've never seen Josh go in so deep to pull this out. <laughs> Cause Narisigo is very fucked up. <laughs> like you don't think so at first, but then the whole interaction with the pirate with the um pyrotechnic. Um that's where you realize this man is there's something wrong with him that's one of the few instances where you see it go on full display anyway but then when he goes in the well within a well it comes out a little bit more slowly but surely especially when he's going after those serial killers and the, the second time it goes full-blown is when he goes against the challenger like because the assumption is this is Narisigo before everything happened and he was arrested, right? Mm -hmm. So this is before he ended up broken. But the key part with him going in the well within a well, Narisigo remembers everything that happens at this point. It's not Sakaido not remember everything anymore. It's Narisigo who remembers everything in this in this well. So 
you get to see that bit of psychotic breakdown on display when he goes against the challenger because he gets to have vengeance a second time and prevent his daughter in this well and his wife in this well from being killed and murdered and committing suicide. So there are so many layers to this character, but I think the big thing I want to drive home in my thoughts on Josh's performance, because you guys hit everything. My big thing I really want to make sure I hit home in with this performance and why I love it so much is the fact that he, Josh has to go to this dark place mentally and psychologically in order to pull this out of for Norisigo. And that is just absolutely fucking brilliant. And I love every second of it. And I think that's why this is my favorite performance of the entire show, honestly. Again, Justin Cook is fantastic and he comes at a close second. But I think because this is so different for Josh, this is why he's my favorite performance. And it's just so chilling to watch. Um, anyway, uh, gushing over. Shit. Uh, any other thoughts on Josh's Narisigo before we move on to final thoughts? Yes. <laughs> yes, you have more thoughts, or yes, you want to go to, to final no, thoughts? No, to, to, the, to the performance, I say yes. Okay. <laughs> A++. Well done. Absolutely. Um, well done. Fucking fantastic. And Jamal, I love how you s talked about Dubby's for a second. I'm also going to mention that Josh is very much a contender for me, too. I'm not going to lie. Like, holy fuck. Anyway, final thoughts. We're going to go into our final thoughts on the English dub of It Invaded. I, You know what? Speaking of Jamal, let's start with you. What are your final thoughts on the dub? I feel like every once in a while, there's always a show is made for somebody. You know? mm -hmm. Somebody likes cop shows. Somebody is like enthralled with justice. I mean, God, my 18-year-old self would love this show, but even back in the day, because mm -hmm. I used to watch, as you can tell, I used to watch a lot of CSI, a lot of my daughter you poor. I haven't watched much Law and Order, surprisingly, but uh, just everything about it, from the story, to the characters, to the music, because, mm -hmm. my God, this slaps the damn heart. Especially the ending, because that sounds like mid-2000s rap to me. Like, Oh, the ending theme? Oh, love it. Oh, my. You can't, it's one of those endings you can't skip ever. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You'd be surprised how many times I've had that repeat in my car going to work. Oh, fantastic. It's just, it's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Nobody missed the beat. Not the directors, Japanese, or the English dub. The pretty much everybody contributed that to it, Naz to the to the voice actors. To the, I'm speaking in jumbled terms, but I'm sorry. This show is so damn beautiful. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it, please, because it is. I doubt it's gonna be a, a, like anything you've ever seen before. But man, it, right. it's so intense, in more ways than one. Like. I mean, I mean, hell, there was even a moment with a copycat killer. That one was like, that one was very shocking. My God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stuff like that that really keeps you on your toes. That's what I like about this these kinds of shows. Because, you know, it's not the same old, same old. It will actually keep you guessing. Like, right up to the very end. 
And either way you get to the end, you'll even know what's going on anyway, so... <laughs> it's true. It's very true. So, yeah. I guess, overall, pretty high marks for me if you haven't seen the show. What are you doing? Go see the show now. Actually, go see the show after this podcast, so... Finish this first. Yes. Or, granted, to be fair, the assumption would be, our hope anyway, is you watched the show first and then you came here. <laughs> Yes. Because you just spoiled yourself hardcore. Uh, Lack, your final thoughts on the dub. It Invaded is a much more complex anime than what we've seen, at least this season, and for, like, several, like, at least for the previous seasons. So, translating this was always going to be hard for the English dub, and I think I'm just really impressed at how well they were able to actually, like, translate all this. Um, because, for one thing, there's a lot of complex dialogue, whether or not it's English or Japanese, because they've got all these weird concepts, and, um, the fact that the English dub was able to keep up with that and be able to work within the confines of that is really impressive. Honestly, I would say the only things that I really, like, had trouble with regarding the dub wasn't the dub's fault, because you had all these weird, like, in lore concepts that they were just throwing at the screen and like the dub didn't really have anything to do with that it was just them doing the best with what they could so yeah no real complaints at all regarding how the, the dub came out alright Amon your final thoughts uh, I'd invade it would be described I believe as the kids say uh, my brand of bullshit uh, <laughs> not wrong this is <laughs> I think this we can is, describe is, it as my brand of bullshit too. Let's not even. Absolutely. No. Oh, I I saw this and it's like I need to tell I need to, I need to tell Steph to go watch this immediately. She's gonna love this show. Um, yeah, Becca, I like, think you're the reason why I watched it. Yeah. When that when that two episode preview came out, it's like I have to tell her about this. There's no way she's not going to enjoy this show. Um, <laughs> and then I did, and I'm like, here I am. <laughs> so, I'm already a little predisposed to like this because. This is very me, uh, but this is a really good dub on top of that. Like this is this this falls into that category of like, like I, I feel like I could try and get my dad to watch this, and I feel like because mm. my my dad my dad has notoriously told me that he does not enjoy watching things with subtitles. I think he just finds it really distracting and hard to do. So this feels like something right. I could show him and like yeah he'd enjoy this, and he and this dub would help bolster it, and he would have a fun time. Uh, especially since he's also a guy who likes Minority Report. And definitely show and definitely uh, let me watch about thirty minutes of the cell when I was way too young, and then I left because I got too winged out by what was going on. <laughs> well, I think we know where your um, likes for this kind of stuff might potentially come from now. <laughs> Would explain I, a lot. I own a lot of Stephen King books because my dad gave them to me. I'm just saying. Yep, it's it's your dad then. That... <laughs> my dad, bless bless him, he's a good man. Anyways, um, no, this this is a uh, this is a really solid show that I really enjoyed. I thought it was interesting. I think it's uh, it's fun. It has weight to it. It feels, mm-hmm. um, if not super unique, at least very distinct. And I think it has yes. a really a really good dub on top of that. That's just really fun and enjoyable. Uh, I highly recommend it. Like, go watch it. If you, you have you have a Funimation account? Go watch it soon today. Mm-hmm. Please do it. You'll do it, please. Um, okay, as for me, first of all, yes, I almost completely forgot that Almond's the reason why I watched Invaded in the first place, <laughs> which thank you, because uh, we also know that 
as the kids say, this is also my brand of bullshit. <laughs> um, but similar to, I'll say this, similar to everything you guys have said, I have zero qualms with this dub. Um, if I had any qualms with this, it's the show itself, if anything, similar to what Black was saying. Um, but we're here to talk about the dub. It's fine. Uh, like, 100% from start to finish, like, directing, the writing, so solid, very strong. But then you get the performances throughout the entire show. And... I, again, I want to give special kudos to the characters who voice, essentially, the serial killers. So, Josh, Justin, Bryn, Monica to an extent, uh, Brian Mathis we talked about, uh, we didn't bring him up, but Chris George is in there pr briefly, um, <laughs> since I discovered, we've discovered this now, except for Jamal, he's known for a while, Jeremy Inman <laughs> as one, um, like, and then even Charlie Campbell, actually, to an extent. Um, all of these performances are so complex and subtle, and it's just so fantastic. And, like, I keep getting surprised by all, all of these voice actors. Um, not just the serial killers, but, <laughs> but everybody. Um, more and more every day, and more and more with every performance. And... This, like, this series in Japan may have been in stuck in a pr production limbo for eight years, but I think it was well worth the wait in order for us to get a fantastic dub like this, 100%. Um, so, if you haven't watched it already, why have you watched us for, like, over two hours? You just spoiled yourself with the whole show. But you should still watch it anyway. Um, speaking of, if you are interested in watching It Invaded, uh, the English dub is available on Funimation now, uh, streaming. Uh, you do have to have a subscription to it, to which you can do the 14-day um, free trial, but your usual reminder... Uh, at least for me, I don't know if people still remind people of this. Um, if you don't want to keep the subscription, make sure you cancel it at the end because when you sign up, you, it has asked for credit card information and it will charge your account at the end of the 14 days. Um, I also looked into it briefly, though I didn't confirm in terms of language tracks. Um, it Invaded is also available on Hulu as well. Um, at the very bare minimum, I would assume the Japanese is there. Dub, I don't know offhand. I didn't get to check that. Um, but this is what's also kind of cool timing wise. So a home video release for Innovated is forthcoming. It is actually going to be released this year on October 13th on DVD, mm. on, on Blu-ray. Yes. Um, there is a limited edition set, which looks, I took a look at it the other day and it looks, it looks really nice and gorgeous. The box is, I love it to pieces. Sexy Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Sexy AF, he says. Um, and there's also a standard edition uh, Blu-ray for it as well. But yeah, um, this is one of those weird ones because it's coming out very quickly. Um, but yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so that's pretty much for it for us here. If you're interested in anything that we at Dub Talk do, of course, the easiest ways 
you can find us. Uh, if you're watching the episode on YouTube, you can subscribe to us here. Uh, we put out videos every week um, and new episodes all the time. If you are listening to us via audio version, whether it is on Podbean, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, please make sure you follow us um, so you can keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. Um, if you want to support us even further, uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is still a thing. We do have a Twitch. Uh, Tumblr is dead, so fuck everything. Um, and if you really, really, really want to support us in a completely deeper capacity, um, we do have a Kofi account if you want to give us a small one-time donation to help support us. And we also have our Patreon, to which, of course, we... We have to say thank you to our $5 patrons, B. Morris, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travelis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, M Victor May Boroda. Uh, and our $10 patrons, we have Anthony Simpson, Carly Lestacow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., and Marissa Lenti. Um, you are all amazing, and we thank you for your continued support. As for us four idiots <laughs> that you're listening to right now, uh briefly shill ourselves. Jamal, where can we find you? Uh, be found on Twitter, Jamstar529, on YouTube at Jamstar1, Blocks Collected Dust, starting a podcast soon, yada yada yada. I'm also assistant editor for Dub Talk. And, oh boy, this episode's gonna be fun. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun fucking ride, 100%. Oh... I'm saving Amon for last because we always have to save Amon for last. <laughs> Lack, where can we find you? So pretty much anywhere you can find me is um, going to my Twitter at Lack the Watcher. My Instagram is at Lack the Watcher. Uh, I have my YouTube, uh, Liam AC slash Lack the Watcher. And I do some stuff on my TikTok too. Uh, I've been getting more active with it. Woo! Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. So. Awesome. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm also known sometimes as Lilac. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac and my review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog, Life and Times of Talker, WordPress.com, that I don't update often enough. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's where you can find me. Amon, where can we find you? And of course, we all know that we have to end this off the best way we know how. So... <laughs> Uh, you can find me at US on Twitter, Duelist with two U's. I talk about uh, comic books and movies and books and music. And I have a, I have a little dusty old song for you. Uh, Hit it. Uh, oh, I, tr I tried to think of something out, but um, I think of it this way. Uh, it's late August when we're recording this, uh, which mm -hmm. means, uh, according to the parts of the internet I hang out in, it is officially Halloween season, which starts on August uh, 16th. I believe, which is the day that the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie takes place on. So, when you're hearing this, it will be fallish, hopefully, uh, and that means Halloween. And uh, I can think of uh, a song that I think fits this weirdly well. Uh, I recommend you all listen to "Living Dead Girl" by Rob Zombie, which seems mm. appropriate. Also, you have a special bonus song for this episode. Uh, this is for you, Fukuda. "Head Like a Hole" by Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Nice. Yes. <laughs> Good night. Love it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around and watching. Uh, we hope you have a good night. And as always, Otaku, my friends. Keep it dark.
And I'll see you. Back on Boston. And I'll see you on the other side.